that one as well. Okay, well I will begin then by just stating for the record that my name is Michelle Marino and I am here interviewing Richard Bodicker. Is that how you say your last name? Bodicker. Bodicker. Okay, well I apologize for That's, that. Well, I've been called worse. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, and today's date is Monday, June 3rd, 2019. And we are conducting the interview at his home in Richmond, Indiana. So um, I'll begin by asking a series of questions just related to your childhood. When and where were you born? I was born August 17th, 1936 uh, here in Richmond, actually at Spring Grove, where the Reed Hospital used to be. It's been replaced further north with a new one. They just tore it down. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So August 1936, what were your parents' names? My father was Paul Bodiker. My mother was Mary Thomas Bodiker. Okay. What was her maiden name? Thomas. Oh, you just said that. Sorry. <laughs> Need to focus. Right. Um, and what was your middle name? William. William. Okay. Uh, where's your family from originally? Uh... I can, my father's family is basically here in this community, although back some, they were farmers over in Ohio, and uh, they originally came from Germany, and okay. that family did, mm -hmm. and uh, my mother's folks came from Ohio, uh, Chillicothe, I forget the name of the county, Claremont County, mm -hmm. down in there. Okay. So, but had both sides been here for a while? Yeah, my, my grandfather on my mother's side had been here a while and uh -huh. was like a plumber, carpenter mm -hmm. for a long time in the whole county, really. But mm -hmm. And father's uh, people had been here for a long time and it, was, it ended up being quite a different scene that uh, my father's parents died when he was very young. Mm. Both of them and a baby brother they had a flu epidemic and uh, so their father's brother took two of the sons in to raise and uh, the one that uh, my father and his older brother was taken in by his grandmother, his mother's mother. Mm -hmm to uh, raise them and uh, so it ends up you know he's uh, making him his own grandpa or something but <laughs> it goes back their family goes back to uh, he was uh, her father was naturalized in Lima Ohio courts uh, from uh, Ireland okay so that's where that side comes from wow okay. yeah well there's there's a and there were a lot of probably people my age and my father's age had, because of a couple breakouts of the flu, had a lot of people in their family wiped out. Uh, was that the sort of famous influenza, like 1918, or was that just it another was one? Second run, I think it was around 21. Wow. Okay. And they were, um, maybe you said this, had they already moved to this area then, or were they still in Ohio? No, yeah, they'd moved. Uh, okay. The family, some of them were over in the... Uh, Kettering, Ohio area, and they used to have family get-togethers when I was real little. It was one of the things you had to do, you know, you didn't want to. <laughs> uh -huh. But uh, you got to know some of them. In fact, one of them I've kept contact with, and uh, 
she had done a lot of research, mm -hmm. genealogy, mm -hmm. and, and had written a book even. So Wow. It's nice well, to have page, that. Whenever anything happens to anybody here, I let her know so yeah. she can add it to her. Sure. Family history. Her list. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What were your parents' occupations? My father first started in the dry cleaning business, mm -hmm. and uh, after that he went to work for uh, Perfect Circle. And, uh, and what did they do? Well, the Perfect Circle Company made their base product was piston rings, hmm. but he worked in an area where they made cast iron liners and uh, worked there. He must have worked there, oh golly, I'm going to say 30 or 35 years. Wow. And did your mom work outside of the home? Or? Yes, she worked at the Belden for a while. And she worked for the draft board for a while. And then worked for Busire Siggery. Don't know whether you've heard of that. I haven't, Make actually. heavy equipment. Okay. And, and that went out of business more or less. And then that co-followed that. And she worked there for a while until she retired. Mm -hmm. Okay. National Automatic Tool Company, NATCO. Yeah, okay. Did you have any siblings? One brother. Okay, was he older or younger? Or younger. Younger, okay. Five years younger. Okay, and what was his name? Thomas. Thomas, okay. Tom. Yeah. Um, how would you describe your childhood? Uh, well, I guess kind of fun. Uh -huh. uh, sometimes that younger brother getting away, but we lived close to uh, the Belden Wire Company here, mm -hmm. and uh, they had a big area. Now it's used for parking, but then they had a baseball diamond and a softball diamond, so I could drive two or three houses down and get into the ball field, and mm -hmm. when they had uh, big games, I'd like be a bat boy for one of them, and yeah. the Springwood, which is a now a poison lake or man-made poison lake, and we would go there a lot in the summer and in the winter when it froze over. We find some things to do. We were, I guess, what you'd call from a moderate or average family. I suppose, uh, as I look back, I'd say poor, but everybody around me was the same way, so yeah. you didn't know it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay. So I enjoyed my youth and had a lot of friends through, uh, that went through high school. In fact, one lady uh, died while I was in the hospital with a broken hip, and I... Uh, escaped to go to her funeral, but we went from kindergarten all the way through high school. Wow. Mm -hmm. So is there a lot of people that sort of stayed in the area, at least a few? Uh, there are some uh, mm -hmm. that came back to, like, the one I'm talking about was a teacher, mm -hmm. and she moved to California and found a very nice husband who's also a teacher, so she, they moved mm -hmm. back here, and we had two teachers instead of one. Yeah. And Anne became a, an administrator, too, a principal and a personnel director. Okay. So uh, there were a number of people that stayed here. There were a lot of number of people that stayed here till they got to retirement age and mm -hmm. moved to another area. Sure. Uh, 
probably uh, everything from military officers to Star Wars scientists to engineers, professors. One worked uh, over at Rose Poly and mm. was one of the professors over there. He lives now in Washington or Oregon, I can't, Washington. But I think that's because his wife was from there. Yeah. Okay. So they've spread out as well. You know, Denver, Colorado was a big place. That mm -hmm. was a place I could go visit and give them about six hours notice and they'd have a party going. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Well, who were the most influential people in your childhood? Oh, I think uh, probably the teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, grade school elementary teachers, remember them probably all, mm -hmm. and a couple of the high school teachers mm -hmm. too. And which elementary did you attend? Fairview. Fairview. Oh, it okay. was, uh, actually they had two schools over there, one was called Sevastopol, and it was one, two, and three, and at Fairview, which was a couple blocks away, was kindergarten four, five, and six. Then we had to go to a junior high school at Dennis, which is basically on the same side of town, drew from several elementaries, mm -hmm. and then to, to high school. In, in the meantime, my parents moved to New Paris, so I spent a couple of years there in like the seventh and eighth grade, and for whatever reason, the first part of my senior year, they moved back, so I was there for the second time. They was a small class, 20, 30 people. Mm -hmm. uh, Got good friends both places, and uh, in fact, we, I went with the New Paris group to get the senior class picture, and then they moved back to Richmond, and it was too late to do that. <laughs> and since I left, they didn't put me in the, oh, no. in the uh, New Paris book, but uh, they invited me as long as they had reunions, they always invited me. Oh, that's nice. What was causing your family to relocate? You know, I don't know. They Once they built a new house, and uh, the last time it was just, I think they, they was talking about it and didn't want to, but my uncle, dad's brother, did a lot of, had some trucks, and did a lot of moving, and he was probably sitting around the table saying, I think I'd like to move back there. Mm -hmm. He like grabbed up the dishes off the table and the tablecloth and said, let's go. <laughs> Um, well, what understanding, if any, did you have about your family's politics or political beliefs as a young child? Well, World War II was big while I was uh, uh, a child, mm -hmm. and then the Korean War, uh, a little older. Uh, I did not, I, I, I felt that they were probably... Republican, but not extremely right. Mm -hmm. And uh, there wasn't, you know, people didn't seem to argue about that sort of thing during the war. Mm -hmm. uh, there was more interest in, uh, they had a big, <laughs> down at the 8th and Main, they had a, two banks on the corner, and one of them's still there. And they'd set up this big fence 
and they'd set up this big poster sign of Hitler, and people would take their metal that they could get rid of and throw it at that sign so it'd go in the <laughs> fence so they could recycle and reuse it and uh, tear his picture up. Uh -huh. uh, so everybody was pretty well concentrated. This county has been Republican forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, strong Republican. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> But everybody seemed to be pretty united on that. Mm -hmm. You were probably about five or so when the war started. Do you have any memories of Pearl Harbor or the early years of the war? Uh, I remember some talk about it. Uh, I don't, and some things I've read, and I know people that were at Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, the memory of that at that time wasn't that great as we got into the weekly readers mm -hmm. uh, there was more about it and, uh, and uh, the savings stamps and savings mm -hmm. books and war bonds uh -huh. and uh, I, I did become more aware of it later on like yeah. about the time that they were beginning to go down and when they had VJ day and all mm -hmm. that I, I remember that. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, it was like everybody went to 8th and Main and had a party. And mm -hmm. yeah. Did you have anyone in your family that served? Yes. Uh, one uncle uh, served in the Aleutian Islands, uh, which was awfully close to Japan and Russia. And uh, before he died, I'd ask him if he'd ever had any trouble up there. He said, no, he didn't know what he'd done if they had, but he was the oldest brother of the family of the, my father's side. Okay. The others, for one reason or another, were either rejected or mm -hmm. did not seek to join or mm -hmm. go to draft. Well, you talked a little bit about your schooling and which schools you went to, but how would, and obviously your teachers were impactful on your life, um, but how would you describe, you know, your educational experiences overall? Did you enjoy school? Did you have a favorite subject? Oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and it was, it was another way of, that you could have friends and associates mm -hmm. and, and, uh, I did have favorite subjects, uh, history and, and uh, government. Even from a young age, that was interesting to me. And uh, mm -hmm. social sciences, social studies. Mm -hmm. I, I just enjoyed all those and was fortunate to have good teachers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that encouraged you. In fact, I got out some of my report cards and I surprised myself. <laughs> <laughs> did better than I thought I did. <laughs> uh -huh. As a child, what were your views about the state of Indiana or of being a Hoosier? Is that something you ever thought about? Um, not a lot. You just were. Mm -hmm. And uh, we didn't travel a lot. I did, um, probably in seventh or eighth grade, make a trip to uh, Texas with some people. Mm -hmm. And uh, Indiana looks pretty good compared to southern Texas. Pretty hot down there. 
So, yeah, we didn't travel. And, you know, everything that we were in on it. Of course, Dayton's almost considered Indiana. They, mm -hmm. And Ohio thinks they ban extra Richmond, but it, we're not very far from the state line. No. Yeah. Here, and I used to joke with people and say it has a lot of benefits being close to Ohio in case you have to get out of town or out of the state quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was always a, a pretty positive. Mm -hmm. uh, things I remember anyway were pretty positive. Sure. Okay. So what year did you graduate from high school? 1954. Okay, and that was r just Richmond High School, or what? Richmond High School. Okay. I had three three grades there. Okay. Um, then did you immediately go to college, or what happened after high school? Uh, I, I, a couple of years I was working, and I went to Ball State for a year, and then uh, decided I was too smart and got married, and <laughs> went to some classes either at night at Ball State or locally they had a mm -hmm. uh, college, a combination of college. It was East Central Indiana something college mm -hmm. and it was a combination of Earl and Ball State and maybe IU and some mm -hmm. of it. And I remember one class I had in economics out there was uh, taught by a professor from Ball State. It was economics what you wanted to study, or were you still trying to figure available. it out? It was available. It was available. It was a course that everyone advised me to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. so but, you'd, but I'll say this. Once you'd worked a while, you understood economics better. I'm sure. I'm sure. So you said you were also working and kind of taking classes, too. Mm -hmm. what, what, was your early, what were your early jobs? Well, I, I, uh, I worked as a... Uh, women's shoe salesman for a while for a company called Wool, who ended mm -hmm. up becoming Wool Brown Shoe Company, and uh, had some offers to take over a shoe department in an area. And at the time, I had also an opportunity to go to work for Perfect Circle, and uh, pay was greater, benefits were greater, mm -hmm. so I took that option and went to work for them and was oh one time when I was in between jobs I worked or laid off I uh, worked for a company actually what they they did was build a grocery store <laughs> up in Fort Wayne it was uh, Evie's grocery I forget what they call it now but we would put some of the, they had a huge awning, and they would, four by eight, we'd build a little framework and paint it, and they'd truck them up there and put them up. And then when they got ready to put bakery and so forth in, we'd go up and help install that. Mm -hmm. And they had the Fort Wayne Southside football team practice in there, and the punter couldn't reach the top of the building. And when that was over, I came back and went back. Things got better, went back to work it. Perfect circle. It's been 30 years and seven months, I think, there. Okay, wow. And then I got, I'd been on city council for th three mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
decided I, there was a vacancy. The Democrat candidate, her father had died, he was a commissioner here, and she'd promised him if she'd fill out his term. So that left a vacancy, and I decided I'd like to try that. Mm -hmm. And uh, had one opponent, who is also a council at large person elected statewide, mm -hmm. and uh, we did our campaigning, and it ended up you had to have a majority, and I did not because there was a third candidate. But on the second ballot, I did get the majority mm -hmm. and started running for the legislature in August. Okay, this was '86. Uh huh. Uh huh. Had been on city council since '84. Was elected in '83. Was president in '86 of the council. Okay. And while campaigning, I had to step aside and let the vice chairman take over for sure. the rest of that. And the day that I was elected, I gave up that seat too. Okay. Uh, my first election was uh, against a five-term incumbent mm -hmm. lady, and. Uh, won by a landslide of two votes. She Interesting definition of landslide. <laughs> she wanted a recount, uh -huh. and she had made the rules of the recount. She was the chairman of the election committee. And we first went through, that was the time we had chads. We did the punch mm -hmm. cards. So I knew about chads before it became famous. <laughs> uh -huh. And figured they'd recount in Indianapolis. But they did the recount here mm -hmm. and the challenge. And you could inspect these cars. And it, if you kind of flipped them, you just see these chads flying everywhere. And you can know, oh, I just lost the vote. Yeah. And uh, you don't dare lose too many when you... No. Yeah. Simcox was the Secretary of State, and he could have ran it. Uh -huh. But since he was going to only... He knew he wouldn't be in office through the time to uh -huh. change it, he deferred and let Larry Conrad take over. Okay. And uh, as we each had attorneys, and we went through them and, and uh, had challenged some, and they, they verified or threw them out. Mm -hmm. And the lady had made a rule, basically, that as long as you could tell voter intent, that was important. And I think that it was a good rule they changed, the voter's intent. Yeah. And uh, unless you could really prove that one of your neighbors committed fraud, yeah, uh, it was pretty much black and white. So at the first recount, our first count was two votes, and the recount, it, that two-vote landslide became a five-vote mandate. And I had one other recount through, but it wasn't that close. Mm -hmm. uh, it was interesting. The the uh, People uh, that came over from the Republican Party was was there for their purpose, mm -hmm. and uh, Rex uh, Early, mm -hmm. you know that name. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rex was one of the ones over here, and, and uh, I used this in a committee once too. Somebody had accidentally, I don't know, got the back of one of those cards mm -hmm. somehow with a little red stripe. It could have been a pen or it could have been lipstick for all I know. Yeah. But I don't think it was intended to be a mark. And that was pretty much the decision of everybody. And Rex says, I don't know about you guys, but if I went home with a mark like that on my collar, it would be a <laughs> distinguishing mark. 
funny. It's kind of funny. Yeah. And uh, and was the person you were running against is that Janet Hibner? Yes. Was that her her seat? What was the? I mean, I mean she had been in politics for quite a while too. Mm. Was it? Ten, a tense time to do the recount, or was it handled professionally? How, how did you feel that went down? Uh, the uh, I, th- I thought it went relatively well for the first time mm-hmm. being like that. Before that, they'd been in the court, and the court was, in fact, two years before, the gal that quit being the commissioner had ran and had lost in the count by... 10, 11 votes. So they had a recount, and the judge appointed a recount commission. You recommend it, sure. you appoint. And they go through them. And uh, in the recount, the gal, uh, opponent of, her name was French, Tushlog French, and uh, in the recount, they changed the vote, so she won by about 13 votes. Mm. And course that doesn't mean a thing uh, then or now mm-hmm. that the house judges uh, its members mm-hmm. so they didn't trust the recount mm-hmm. commission and they did a count and put it back to where it was to begin with mm-hmm. so mrs hibner was elected like that which yeah. some people a lot of people don't understand that yeah and there was some animosity there, mm-hmm. and uh, otherwise, you know, getting in in August, you don't expect to win an election. Right. It's too late, um, but we we uh, were able to do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I want to I want to come back to that, obviously, but I want to ask a few more questions before we jump into your time in. Um, the legislature, but as you got older, even into a young adult and into your 20s, in what ways did your awareness of politics evolve? Were you starting to get more interested in politics as a young man? Well, yeah, I was, was always interested, maybe not in uh, in particularly seeking an office, sure. although that, that develops, but uh, involving yourself in ways that you can, you know, mm-hmm. knocking on doors, licking mm-hmm. envelopes, mm-hmm. doing those sort of things. Well, you said that your, well, let me phrase it. How did your sort of budding political ideas align with that of your family? Uh, I think, I think that, that uh, my wife was a stronger Democrat than I was. And... Uh, the rest of the family uh, thought it was great. In fact, a couple of them were like more independent anyway, and they they thought it was great. And Nancy's grandmother was uh, a red hot Republican, and uh, she would <laughs> introduce me as her her granddaughter's husband, and he's one of those. <laughs> But they had ended up moving into town, and in the last election, she swallowed and voted for her. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. What about your own parents? They 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 were happy with it, and mm-hmm. probably you know they 
while we still had little differences in opinions on some things, mm -hmm. uh, the major one was when I was on city council, we had a big uh, problem there that but it didn't make us a dysfunctional family. Uh -huh. Can I ask what the problem was over? Or? Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to remember this. So I don't know. Scattered site housing. Hmm. What's that? Well, it was some funding for housing for low-income individuals. Oh, uh -huh. And uh, they put a big apartment building within a short period of their house. And they thought that would ruin the valuation of their house. Mm -hmm. And uh, the scattered site means basically you don't put it all in one neighborhood. You put some here and sure. some there mm -hmm. and uh, just blends in. Yeah. And uh, that was under Mayor Clutie. And they, uh, they were very unhappy with that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it made them single-issue voters. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so were you on the other side? Did you support the scattered side? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Although I wasn't in office. I, yeah, just... Well, I was in a, probably a local office of some sort. Yeah. Union or... Uh-huh. Okay. Um, well, I know that you, or I think, that you served in the Air Force. Is that correct? No. No. I was in the Air Force ROTC at Ball State. Okay. And uh, was... Deferred because of that, which kept me eligible to go until I was, I don't know, 35. But married and had kids, I didn't want to pay for those kids. Sure. So, okay. Um, so you didn't actually ever go anywhere or just in the ROTC? Just, just marching on Mondays. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Well, you just mentioned being a part of the, the union. How did you get involved? Were you with the UAW? Mm -hmm. Okay, how did you work your way into that organization? Well, the, the plant I worked in uh, did not have a union, and so I was one of those that 10 or 15 people that helped organize it. Oh, wow, okay. And held about every office and everything from mm -hmm. steward to chief steward, mm -hmm. bargaining committee, mm -hmm. president. And this is that perfect circle? Yeah, they had several plants, and it was uh, plant six. Mm -hmm. And they had uh, three plants right beside each other, and they all three had different unions. Hmm. So what made you think that that was something you wanted there? Why was it important? I just thought that it would be something that would help all the employees and, strangely, also the company. Uh, because, you know, we could yell poor management all day and they still put the padlock on the door and say, yeah, it was poor management. But I think we did some things that, uh, both for people and, uh, you have wild, you know, dreams like when I started, I thought uh, part of the insurance program should be eye care and ear care. And people, oh, you're crazy. Well, it happened while I was working. And uh, one time we went in and I was like telling management, if we think we need you to put a roof on this building before it shuts down. And of course that became a bargaining tool. Uh -huh. But uh, it, was, it was interesting also. Uh -huh. 
And from there I went uh, uh, into their community action program and was the head of, we used to be the 10th district congressional district, which mm -hmm. included Anderson and Muncie and mm -hmm. quite a number of UAW members. And I was chairman of that wow. in the district and mm -hmm. that dealt with politics as well. Yeah. Then I did uh, AFL-CIO for a while before they threw us out. And uh, at the time, it's a strange side story, uh, I, I liked Bobby Kennedy mm -hmm. and uh, I think it was Brannigan. They'd, Humphrey couldn't run because he didn't get in soon enough to get on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And Brannigan was a stand-in. And if Brannigan got the votes, they'd go to Humphrey. Well, the FLCIO had endorsed Humphrey. But a lot of us liked Kennedy better than we did Brannigan. Mm -hmm. So uh, we endorsed Kennedy as the AFLCO, which was a no-no. Told me I'd better watch my step or they'd take the charter. And I said, It's right here on the wall anytime you want in. And uh, we set up a tour for him here. And their advanced people come in and talk to me and what we want to do. And they said, Well, what's, what's the biggest plant in town? And I said, Yeah, it's probably Avco. Used to be Crosley. He said, well, What do they do? I said, They make ordinance. He said, What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, well, the next biggest one probably would be the school bus factory, so that's where we'll go. <laughs> a little less controversial. Uh, well, more uh, yeah. for him at that time in yeah. Vietnam was yeah. a big issue. So about, was this when he was gearing up for... Um, yeah. It was just before he got shot in California. Yeah. Like the end of April, maybe. Yeah. Wow. And I got a couple of letters signed. Were you Thank able you. to meet him then? Oh, yes. We were in a group that picked him up and went with him, and in the group that toured the Wainworths with him. Had a, down at the Leland, their ballroom, we had a meeting, and the fire chief, uh, there were so many people coming in there, and even lining the steps coming up, that they shut anybody else off from coming in there. It was the people in the aisles and on the steps outside. You never got out. Mm -hmm. And after the after his talk, there's two things I remember real sitting next to the stand. And two things I remember. He had like a four by six card, and his hands were shaking like you or I would be if we were in front of people like that. Yeah. And his first his first statement was, "It's good to be back in Indiana." And uh, Everybody laughed, and he said, Dad, that's the first thing I had to learn when I ran, how to say Indiana. <laughs> that's funny. But they, after he's finished, and he had a huge bodyguard. I don't know where he came from, but he was probably three or four inches taller than me and built you know, much better and 250 maybe. And they had this long table. They had the mayor and council and it's, uh, all the people come rushing up to touch him and almost push the table back against the wall. Yeah. It was all, all of us could do is keep yeah. it in that big ball. He helped too. Keep, uh, keep him from squeezing. But they were, they were 
touching him, trying to take his cufflinks. <laughs> wow. All kinds of that happened all over the country. Yeah, now. yeah, just trying to get close. That's really interesting. Um, so did you, were you active then with the various unions through your entire career? Uh, I was pretty active until I was elected to city council. Mm -hmm. And uh, not as active then because you didn't have time. Sure. Uh, I empired high school baseball and had some really good... Uh, in one year I had like 15 games of top 20 teams. Wow. And uh, when I went to Indianapolis and I just couldn't because it was, yeah. they were meeting and the spring sure. started and you just... You're almost like the kids, you got to have spring training and get yeah. out and see bad balls and strikes and work with them in scrimmage games. or. Yeah. Well, how did you get into baseball? Was that a sport you played when you were younger? Or? Yes, I did. And I, I had uh, Richmond High School here. I'd go out and watch them. And I, a couple of times I thought the umpiring is bad. And I'm saying, you can't just sit here and say it's bad. you got to do something for it. So I went to visit with Don McBride. I don't know if you've heard that name, but he was the head of the Eastern Indiana High School Officials Association. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he's a longtime friend from Fairview and okay. and had umpired and everywhere and refereed state final basketball uh -huh. games. And I worked with him and got, uh, got licensed. And uh, the uh, athletic director at Richmond was... Uh, I'd known him since school, so he got me some games, and I worked at Connersville, mm -hmm. and uh, about everywhere, Connersville, Newcastle. Mm -hmm. I didn't ever work at Laurel. worked at Brookville once, mm -hmm. Batesville, Fountain City up there, but uh, I didn't feel safe to go to Laurel. <laughs> How come? I'm just teasing. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, that can't be real, right? <laughs> yeah, but I had some really good teams, and down at Coach Gable down at Connorsville uh, would have a uh, tournament. He'd have in one of the big Cincinnati teams, you mm -hmm. ones that you think was a feeder club for yeah. the Reds, and at Bloomington and some mm -hmm. other schools, and they worked those games, and that was that was always fun. Yeah, that's neat. Well. Uh, just talking a little bit about, about family life here for a minute, you said that you got married right after high school, is that correct? No. No. No, it was, uh, I'm going to say, uh, I was at Ball State. Oh, at Ball State. And okay. it was after this. Oh, that's right, you quit to, to get married. After the first semester. They were quarters then. Okay. So it was after that, I'm going to say it was probably 56. Okay, and what was your wife's name? Her name was Lee, at least that's what I called her. <laughs> uh, Childress was her name at that point in time. She was from Muncie. Okay. That marriage lasted about five years. Five years, okay. And did you have kids? Four. Four kids. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, so that lasted about five years, you said. Then did you get remarried? Uh, 
couple of years, yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, that lasted just short of... Uh, Uh, the, the picture on the wall was right at its 48th anniversary, oh, wow. and it lasted uh, the one there, the silver outline one. Uh -huh. And uh, I'm trying to think. I, she died just short of an anniversary, mm -hmm. and I can't remember if it was 49 or 50. Yeah, wow. So a long time. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I told her well, my health wasn't as good as hers and, at that time. And, and I told her that uh, really wanted that big 50th. Uh, she just keep me pumping until I'm 50, yeah. and we can <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> and, and so your wife's name was Nancy, is that right? Yes. Nancy, okay. And is she from the Richmond area, or where was she from? She originally was from uh, uh, Whitewater. Okay. But moved into Richmond and finished her senior year here. Okay. And so did you know her from high school too then? or Not really. I knew her, her stepfather. And, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> we get into wild stories of how I had met her. Uh, the hospital that's now demolished was there. And uh, the first wife who didn't drive got mad and ran his hand through a plate, big window, picture window, and was bleeding. And whether it's her or somebody else, called me to get her to the hospital. So I took her out to the emergency room. And while I was waiting at the emergency room, I went to see my cousin, who was in the print shop. And a little bit of a walk. And uh, walked in and was talking to my cousin Joe and this other lady named Nancy was there, and she was kind of funny. So eventually I asked her to go to dinner. <laughs> that was it? The weird way to meet, you know. Yeah. And what was Nancy's maiden name? Maiden name was Jennings. She had been married before and was uh, Shin, Nancy Shin. Okay. She had two children. I had four. Mm -hmm. And we have one. Together? Yeah. Uh -huh. And what are your children's names? Well, the uh, oldest girl is uh, Lisa, now Murray, mm -hmm. was Nancy's daughter. And then the next oldest is Richard Jr., my son. Mm -hmm. And then Nancy's son, Jerry. Now, I think Robin, my daughter Robin, was uh, next. Mm -hmm. And then Jerry, Nancy's son, and then daughter Kathy and son Scott, and then ours is, is uh, Jack Michael. Okay. We always called him Matt Mike, and he's since he's on the he's on the Centerville Town Board. Oh wow! <laughs> and he uh, he goes by Jack. Uh huh. Are your kids generally in this area, or some are, some aren't? Or? Some are, some aren't. A couple of them did. Mm -hmm. uh, Rick is in California, mm -hmm. and uh, Kathy spends time between here, Anderson, and and uh, Florida, where mm -hmm. she has family. 
Sure. Uh, Jack lives in Centerville where mm -hmm. he's on city board. Mm -hmm. uh, Robin passed away. Dean passed the boy. Nancy's boy passed away. Uh, Scott's here. He works uh, at Walmart and I've been with them quite a while. Mm -hmm. So who have I forgot? Robin had lung cancer just mm -hmm. before Nancy did. Oh, goodness. Well, how, how did your family influence your career? Basically, I did more with the unions and traveled a lot and did a lot of political things mm -hmm. like Jefferson Jackson Day dinners or mm -hmm. whatever. And, uh, but to, to, I didn't get into the politics, politics then until they were all out of school. Mm -hmm. So that made me a little later starting than some people. Sure. And uh, they were, they were all, all gone out of school. I wouldn't say they were all gone, but they were out yeah. of school. Okay. Well, how then did you become more seriously involved in politics? Well, I guess with the with the UAW, I'd, they'd uh, had that cap, and they'd have sober for a week at a time, kind of lobbying, mm -hmm. and had I guess we had to be registered because they were footing the bill, and we were talking issues for a group rather than ourselves, uh -huh. and. Uh, Got more involved there, and then eventually thought, you know, I'd like to try it myself. It's like kind of like umpire, and I think I can do a better <laughs> job. Uh -huh. So, was city council your first venture into it, or had you started somewhere else? I I ran one time years before that for the school board, and uh, much younger, and did not. Uh, I didn't have any landslide then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So uh, I did not get elected, just had to file a report, and the only thing I did was spend a postage stamp. <laughs> yeah. Well, what shaped your political outlook? Did you run as a Democrat? I did. Uh-huh. I, uh, because most of the issues that I was interested in were supported by Democrats more than Republicans. Mm -hmm. And that looked like a couple of jobs when I was still in and had to, and we also as city council members, they're all members of the Richmond Power and Light Board of Directors, so you get a dual awareness, not only of city government, but of Power and Light, mm -hmm. which was helpful over there. Yeah. Well, what were some of those issues that you said you felt like aligned with the Democratic Party? Oh, naturally, uh, labor-related issues, uh, quote, right to work. Yeah. Other issues that they dealt with, workers' comp, unemployment comp, uh, in the health care fields, in the education fields, which ended up probably where I spent more of my time was in the education fields and uh, those those kind of issues although mm -hmm. you know I, I was not I was maybe one that didn't always commit to the caucus mm 
Mm-hmm. And uh, there were times when I would do things that they did not like. Uh, one was in Ways and Means Committee. I know if you've heard the name Jerry Bales, mm-hmm. uh, who a lot of people referred to as kind of wild. And uh, we did Ways and Means, and Jerry wanted to offer an amendment. And the chairman said, do it on the floor. And uh, I would have voted against it regardless, but uh, when he brought it up to the floor, they wouldn't let him do it. And the speaker declared that it was not germane or something. And so I committed when they had the vote, yay or nay, to support the speaker. I, They told Bales to bring it up on the floor. Now, I was going to vote against it. And what probably leadership didn't want people to have to put their name up on this amendment. I think there's a lot of Republicans that would have voted against it also. And, and I would say that Jerry and I were at least able to communicate. And I vote against the chair, and, and uh, I had 30 people run back saying, why'd you do that? I said, because he told him to do it on the floor. Yeah. I said, well, he didn't mean that. He was just getting rid of him. I said, well, get rid of him another, knock it down in committee. That's where. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, well, a couple bigger picker picture questions before we get into the nitty-gritty with the the legislature then. Um, Who would you say, you know, you mentioned Kennedy, but who were your national political heroes as you're starting to get involved in politics? Hmm. There There were several, and just to go back and name a few, I think. Uh, some of them were Republicans, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Senator Church. Uh, the more I can, you know, the closer we come to today, the more I can, yeah. I can mention. But sure. Thinking about who, who was... Uh, at, at first, I thought I liked... Uh, Goldwater, hmm. but as that developed, I decided it. No, that uh, I the the names of people that that I either knew or uh, I liked. Probably the best one was Wendell Ford, who was governor of Kentucky and a senator from Kentucky. Probably, I'm not going to say politician, statesman. Mm-hmm. Uh, ability to govern about all of them and uh, some of the hearings that they people have you get locked in on who was there mm-hmm. I like Muskie uh, mm-hmm. Maine and yeah, so a lot of people didn't but and the, I know the reason they didn't at the time it, I don't think it mattered to me Carter, before when he first came, I, I I come back here and told him he'd be the next president. And they say, why? I said, because he's saying what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. And he's a smart dude. Yeah. 
not that, that, that he was my favorite at that time, but a mm -hmm. uh, representative from Fort Wayne, I'm trying to think of his name, but I was at a Democrat convention, and uh, he took us in to meet with several of the candidates, mm -hmm. and uh, the uh, uh, Udall, mayor of the cowboy, mm -hmm. and... Uh, Took us in and met with him. He was supporting him. I had met Humphrey, and of course everybody knew by mm -hmm. Evans, Dad, mm -hmm. <laughs> Birch, the original. Birch flew into Richmond. We picked him up at the airport, and we come in Ninth Street, which is where you come in. Mm -hmm. And just after you get into Richmond on Ninth Street, which is one way you're going this way. There's a, on the left a Dairy Queen, and a guy I knew from the UAW was with him most of the time and driving, and he versus pulling that Dairy Queen. I said, Jim, does, are he, is he serious? And he says, I wish he wouldn't. <laughs> but we go in this Dairy Queen, and he said, everyone we go by, you gotta have a Dairy Queen or a Diet Pepsi one. And, He'd get him a Dairy Queen. He'd walk car to car shaking hands with people. Well, this Dairy Queen down here is close enough to Ohio that half the cars were from Ohio. <laughs> he'd talk to all of them, and some of them would say, well, we're from Ohio. And he said, well, I'm sure you got Indiana friends. <laughs> really working the crowd there. Yeah, he had yeah. a Dairy Queen. <laughs> That's funny. Well, we, you started talking, obviously getting involved with the union and then city council. What made you finally decide to run for state government? I had been over there and, and uh, saw how it operated mm -hmm. and uh, thought I would like to try to do that and mm -hmm. make a difference. And the opening came and uh, three of us were in. I ended up going over there. Uh, just that I, I liked when I was over there, I liked things changes over the years. There's been a lot of changes in the state legislature, mm -hmm. even from the time I went in to the time I left. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just thought that I could make a difference. And <laughs> as one of my colleagues told me one time over there, says, young man, all you need to do the first year is find out where the men's rooms are. <laughs> we'll take care of everything else. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was, had been an older person and he told me that everything that thought of has already been done. You can only do more of what we have done. Uh, I was a Republican. And... Uh, <laughs> It's kind of interesting because basically the things the way they were then, that was pretty much true. Mm -hmm. There are two things that were true. If you were a freshman, you were a freshman. If you were a minority, you were a super minority. Uh, they had us upstairs and you had to access that with a staircase that would uh, have been a hazard in any other building and you know, no offices they 
assistant to the minority ways and means person had an office that had been used as a closet and it didn't matter to him because he didn't need a adding machine. He did everything on his hand with a pen. <laughs> and uh, it, just, it was that way, including bills that were heard, bills that were passed, mm -hmm. uh, amendments, mm -hmm. anything like that. Mm -hmm. So when you say minority, do you mean political party minority? Political party okay. minority. <laughs> Clarify on that. But, um, well, so you said that Wayne County had such a been had been such a strong Republican had been such a stronghold here the Republicans had did you think you would be able to win what was your thought process running as a Democrat here well because of the situation on the recount mm -hmm. prior term I thought I had a good chance I I'd done a lot of things in the county everything mm -hmm. from running a little league program mm -hmm. to Union work, mm -hmm. just number of things. Sure. And I, yes, I thought I could win, and I really thought I'd win by more than two votes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I thought I could uh -huh. win, and uh, it's a uh, until you were over there, you. Yeah, I'm going to say, over there inside the glass, the glass that mm -hmm. separates you. Uh, you can only imagine, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of what you can do is because of trust you build in other people mm -hmm. to help you get it done, whether it's on your side or the other side, and uh, or both. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's important if you can get both sides. And we did that one year when we had the first fifty-fifty. You had to have help from the other side, or you end up with yeah. nothing. And they had, everybody knows they have political bills, and they had a certain amount that they could run through each mm -hmm. side. But the other things, you just had to build coalitions mm -hmm. and pick up one, five, six, seven votes or more. Sure. And 95%, I'm 95%, I won't say that, of the bills that go through there, the pass. Both sides vote for. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's probably 15 bills or 20 bills a session that are political bills. Yeah. And if they're not intended to pass, they're intended to get your name up on the board so they can come back and campaign against you, uh -huh. whether it's an amendment or a bill. Mm -hmm. But most that get through have that bipartisan support. I'd, I'd think so. Mm -hmm. they, they, they get... Uh, a huge number of get at eighty percent of them, mm -hmm. okay. probably even ninety percent. Well, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I'd like to hear more about what it was like in the fifty-fifty legislature. Ah, uh, well, it was getting there, and we had like forty-eight, and uh, even though you sit on the opposite side of the aisle, there are people over here that are your friends, and. Mm -hmm. You want to get a majority, but you don't want to see that person go. Right. And uh, in the case, we've got a couple more good quality candidates and a couple that have been around a long time mm -hmm. uh, lost. And uh, 
so we get to 50-50, which means a whole lot more. At that, when I was telling you about that staircase that you had to go mm -hmm. up, and everybody that was in the minority, mm -hmm. political minority, mm -hmm. was upstairs, mm -hmm. and uh, office spaces and so forth. The speaker had just a little, uh, speaker had the luxury quarters, and the minority leader had very moderate quarters. <laughs> And then when we had the 50-50, everything was 50-50. They changed it around so the speaker and the minority leader both had the same type office mm -hmm. and the same type staff, same type yeah. this and that. Everything was pretty well done on an equal basis. And uh, one of the things that, that developed through that may have not been that except, but if I had introduced a bill and it got to the floor and somebody wanted to make an amendment, they'd, they'd Pearl Harbor you. They'd introduce it right at that minute. Now, the other thing, when you were in the majority, you could kill that amendment just mm -hmm. like that. So one of the Republicans, who was not there very long after that, got the rules changed that any amended amendment had to be on your desk so many hours before the bill was to be heard for one second reading where they could amend yeah. it. So you, everybody had a copy of this amendment they could look over, mm -hmm. and then you didn't have to beg and plead right. with the author not to mm -hmm. shoot you down right away. But some passed, some didn't, but at least you knew it was coming, and you had an idea of what you were going to be voting on. Mm -hmm. Sure, we'll come back to that again here in a minute. But did you have any campaign strategy when you were running that first time? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I did door to door, a lot mm -hmm. of door to door, and uh, registered and did that pretty indiscriminately in a way that if if I knew Precinct 1 tended to be 70% Democrat, I'd just go through and register anybody. Mm -hmm. Now, if there was a 50-50, we'd try to make sure we were registering our own people. Right. And better to hit those 50-50 people than to hit a precinct that is 30% Democrat. You're not going to find many... Democrats over there, so you'd have to be very selective if you went into there. Being too selective is kind of a ethics violation, I think. Uh, so we tend to leave those alone, and usually one of the precincts I lived in, if you live in a precinct, you generally win it. Mm -hmm. Now, I did not win the precinct I lived in, but it was like, I'm going to say, it was usually 70% Republican, and it was 51-49. Mm -hmm. And uh, now out in this end of town, and it could be different. There's mm -hmm. just, you don't make waves. Make sure you they at least know you're running, but the odds are who you're talking to is a Republican. Uh -huh. And the lady next door happens to be county clerk who's a Republican. <laughs> 
And uh, so, but we've always got along mm -hmm. as far as talking to neighbors and that sure. stuff. Her husband passed away some time back. Mm -hmm. Nice person. Uh, so what, what what was I avoiding there? I was asking about campaign strategy. Campaign yeah. strategy, and it was it was basically register until the registration is over, and then you start get out the vote, mm -hmm. and we would do phone banks. Okay. And start that as soon as we had precincts we had identified, mm -hmm. and make two, three, four, five calls, mm -hmm. and door to door, and that's to get what I call get out the vote too. Mm -hmm. I did uh, a lot of Centerville. There's one, maybe two precincts in Center. I had Wayne Township, which mm -hmm. is Richmond and surrounding, and Center Township, mm -hmm. which is Center and surrounding Centerville. Mm -hmm. So I did uh, the one Democrat precinct there, and I did a couple of the others, and I attended school board meetings, and mm -hmm. I attended council meetings just to let them know that I was interested in what they were doing, not that I was going to try to run what they were doing, but sure. I was interested in it. So I, I think uh, at that time, social media didn't exist, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure it does that much good today. It does evidently does do some for some people, but what I've seen, it you get through to some people, but usually you're preaching to the choir. Right. And the only benefit you get out of it is what one of the major news networks plays it up as, yeah. up or down. And uh, so I still think that if you're running for president, you can't do it. You can't shake enough hands. Yeah. Uh, but in a smaller district, which is bigger than some, but not mm -hmm. terribly. And uh, I Go to as many functions, firefighters, chicken dinners, or mm -hmm. uh, somebody's church picnic. Or, sure. <laughs> there was one church on the west side that's closed down, but they had the best uh, beef Manhattan. <laughs> and uh, the ladies of the church made good pies. <laughs> so we'd go over there and get in line, make sure we got there in time to get in line, right. talk to everybody in line. Uh -huh. The few of them you knew anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it's, that's the fun part, you know. You, right. Not so fun to do the rubber chicken, dry grade ground beef things. But, <laughs> but the pie was worth it. The pie was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, early on, at least with the first election or two, what was most important to you as a candidate? I think education. Mm -hmm. uh, there were were a few things that won or less, but I've I've always felt education, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the first things I did, whether I was on Ways and Means or just some other education committee or something, when the budget or when they put out was proposed to be adopted, the first thing I would do would check the schools that were in my district to mm -hmm. see what kind of funding they were going to get. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had, eventually I had three districts, high school districts, and you didn't want to see any of them go negative. Mm 
and so that was the first thing I looked at is what mm -hmm. kind of funding they were getting and I'd as quickly as I could ship it to a superintendent of the district so they'd have a heads up too and sure. I'd, I'd say that mm -hmm. education was a and with IU East here we were just kind of growing and mm -hmm. you always it, wanted them to yeah do, do well, well. And, and one of my good friends Mark Cruzan was from Bloomington mm -hmm. and he would always do what he could mm -hmm. I, one year I got a lot of things for IU East and I walked in and a guy named Joe Franklin was the head of the IU lobbying efforts mm -hmm. and he was sitting in, the, in one of the chairs and I said, boy, I got, did a good deal for East this time. He said, why don't you do something for the rest of the university? <laughs> well, in what... Did you attend IU East at some point too? Uh, yeah. Okay. Did you graduate from there or no. just like later on with some coursework and? Later on with some coursework. Um, uh -huh. One of them, the courses I was in was a labor history, which was pretty easy uh -huh. because some of it wasn't history. It was just part of what I lived through. Yeah. And uh, I got into a campaign and I had to do a paper. And I told the professor, I just thought I ought to re withdraw. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I'll give you an extension. I didn't want to do that. Well, it was so vigorous out there. It was leave work and go door to door and mm -hmm. do whatever, go to meetings. And, and that I didn't and uh, tried to withdraw again, but ended up um, failing the course because I didn't get the paper in. Yeah. Which, you know, it was my mistake for not being more adamant to begin sure. with. That you just don't have time to do Yeah. You do now, I guess, with the research is being a lot easier and sure. don't need card files. And yeah. <laughs> you have spell correct, grammar correct. Yep. That helps things along, I'd say. I do have a degree, though. What's that in? It says uh, Doctor of Human Letters, Human uh -huh. Letters. Mm -hmm. And that's from IU East as well? From IU, uh, mm -hmm. through IU East, through but you. from IU. Okay. You know, the uh, board and chancellor, President McRobbie, mm -hmm. presented that to me uh, in uh, May of 2016. Wow. For all the work that you had done for the university? or for, Not for the state. Wow. I had a, uh, I have several, you know, really proud of. I have uh -huh. two, I have two uh, Sagamores. Uh-huh. One of those is my wife's, since I had... Two, she wouldn't let me hang a second up. She only had one. <laughs> and uh, Library Association, uh -huh. Credit Union Association. Yeah. And, uh, just a number of them have uh -huh. given me plaques. Or That's really cool. In 2012, the Richmond High School Alumni Association mm -hmm. made me a uh, honored me with uh, being the 2012 Distinguished Alumnus wow. of Richmond. Mm -hmm. uh, Hoosiers for Higher Education one year, and it's been back, uh, honored me with the Bowen Welsh uh, Distinguished Legislator. I think mm -hmm. they've changed that now to Distinguished Elected Official. Mm -hmm. And 
I can't remember the year that was. Yeah. But there's been yeah. some things. I guess maybe my interest in education may follow through some of that, but it also was a lot of economic development mm -hmm. and uh, being on the education committee and mm -hmm. uh, commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, and for two terms, I think it was, I was on the <coughs> chairman of the financial institutions. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those years was, we had a bill this year that they were dealing with the rates. Woody Burton, was the ranking member on the committee, and we dealt with that first, and they were charging at that time over 800% interest, and we narrowed that down to mm -hmm. the number of renewals they could make mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, how much they could... You, they were even using a prosecutor to collect their money. They'd go to courts and use our public yeah. paid-for prosecutors to try to collect their money. Wow. So we made some changes, wanted to do more, but uh, the department head was uh, Mr. Phillips, and he said, you know, we could go here, beyond that they're going to take it to court, and we'll get nothing maybe. So mm -hmm. I thought usury rules should have applied, Yeah. but at least we got it started. And I thought if I didn't study it too much, I hoped Woody was the same as he was when he was yeah. on, on the committee. Yeah, yeah, so let us you come up. Um, Well, we've talked through the, the recount and kind of what that was like. Um, but what did you think on your very first day as you were walking into the state house? Well, the first day would, would have been November when they have organization day. And uh, it wasn't such a big thing to walk into the state mm -hmm. house as it was to walk in to the chamber and uh, the mural and the lights and mm -hmm. then you look at the boards and uh, with the red and green lights that flash on when you vote or vote president. Mm -hmm. The biggest the biggest thing was to see they put my name up there even though it was a contested race. Oh, uh-huh. Um, because that wasn't settled for a couple months, right? It was, yeah. They, they did a re same thing. The yeah. House took it and looked to see if there was any uh -huh. way that it should be changed. And uh, they have done that more than once. Mm -hmm. One guy uh, I knew, and I can't remember the name, but he had went through an election and he won, but he thought he should have won by more votes, so he asked for a recount. Wow. <laughs> and he didn't, didn't win. <laughs> That'll... Learn the lesson of not to push that, I think. Wow. Okay. Um, well, how did you learn the ins and outs of state politics those first few years? Well, we were, uh, when I went in, there were probably 10 new members, mm -hmm. if you count the Republicans, and maybe 11 if you count Bosma, mm -hmm. because he'd served part of a term before that. And there is a very diversified background. So each of us had knowledge of a specific area. So mm -hmm. if something went on in a committee they were on and you needed to know, mm -hmm. you could get one of two or three people that came in when you did 
that you had confidence they knew all about it anyway. Sure. So uh, that was one way. Another way was the caucus assigned uh, people to be mentors. And uh, mine happened to be uh, Representative Cook. He'd been probably 20 years there. Oh. And uh, he would, anything you wanted to know, you know, just poke him and say, why did they do this or why did mm -hmm. they do that or where should I go with this? Yeah. And he'd be glad to, to tell you, and, mm -hmm. and uh, others were the same way, friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, knowing, you know, some things you, you've got to know, like where to go to LSA or mm -hmm. how to talk to the speaker. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, you have to depend on others, unless you've just been around long, long time. And even I'd been over there a number of times but and had talked to some committee people but never dealt with what was going on on the floor mm -hmm. per se. And had you been there through the union? Like was that how you got your experience prior to that? Or Yeah, the UAW, they would have us, uh, they'd do it. They had a couple of people they had over there year-round mm -hmm. and they'd have uh, Others come in for a week when there's mm -hmm. something of interest and they thought you might help you talk to your senator or representative. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you picked up on sort of the culture of the General Assembly or how things worked relatively quickly or did it take a while? Uh, some of the things of culture, you pick up pretty quickly. You may not like it, <laughs> but uh, you at least pick it up pretty mm -hmm. quickly like like the minority doesn't have as many rights as you think they should have. <laughs> uh -huh. And as I suspect, although it was easier for me to be in the minority, because when you're in a majority, you got to protect your governor and you got to do things you don't particularly like to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the Republicans react the same way, that sometimes mm -hmm. they get a governor that does strange things and they still got to protect him. Mm -hmm. Um, well, you mentioned Cook, but did you have any other political mentors as you settled in? Oh, the friends, you know, that we'd go across the press club, and the press club then was a little different. How so? Well, it was up on the top floor over there uh -huh. at the ISTA building, and you look back and see that. And then it moved down to the basement, and that was... For a lot of people's after hours, you argue all day and go over and sit down and have a drink together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, some of the meetings after the meetings, you know, you go over there and there's groups sitting in a booth and maybe half and half or so. Mm -hmm. And somebody like Pat Kiley, who was head of Ways and Means, uh, would be talking. And if you listen, you can learn things. Uh -huh. And... Uh, it's a, the communications you make after the meeting sometimes are more than you can learn during the meeting. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are other people, if anytime you'd ask, they could give you advice, mm -hmm. and usually good advice. Well, you're talking about, you know, the meetings that go on behind the scenes in the basement and the hallways and stuff. Did you um, stay in Indianapolis or did you make the commute? I uh, 
I stayed uh -huh. uh, from the first time. I, I forget where we stayed to begin with. And uh, I, I think it was I'm trying to remember south of Washington Street. It may not be there anymore. Mm -hmm. But uh, there were some of them that had stayed there during the big blizzard and they had no food or anything. And uh, so I stayed there for a while and then went out to the, uh, uh, what do they call them, the River Point Suites mm -hmm. out along the river behind mm -hmm. us. Went out there and stayed for a while. In fact, I had a two-bedroom apartment mm -hmm. and uh, Nancy would come over and spend time and mm -hmm. I figured I'd have an extra room and if she wanted to bring her mom mm -hmm. for a while. She didn't ever come, but Nancy would come over occasionally. Mm -hmm. She spent more time over there than a lot of wives mm -hmm. and uh, had some comments. And She was like women's legislative group and ended up calling to spouses. Yeah. Uh -huh. She was uh, president of that for a couple of years uh -huh. and secretary for me. And uh, she was pretty active. Yeah. In fact, I can't remember the bill. She'd be up at the balcony and listening. And we'd take a break, she'd come down. Something happened and I voted. She'd come down and says, are you okay? I said, yes. She said, I thought you had a stroke for a minute. Like, what are you talking about? The way you voted on that last bill. <laughs> so she was pretty well aware of what was going what on. What was going on. <laughs> That's funny. Um, she and Speaker Greg's birthday is on the same day. They had something, something weird about people like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Um, we'll maybe come back to, to that here in a minute, too. Um what was the first bill you sponsored? Do you remember? I think the first bill I sponsored that passed was one that uh, allowed city clerks to have the right to be a, a power of attorney or mm. where mm -hmm. you can stamp the... Yeah be able to take those like all the representatives can. Yeah. Because they deal with a lot of things. They either had to hire someone that was a notary mm -hmm. or take it somewhere else to get it notarized. Mm -hmm. So we passed that bill. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a, a funny thing. I served on two committees the first year and, and being new and mm -hmm. where I was from, they put me on... Uh, cities and towns, and maybe public policy, I don't remember which one. Yeah. But cities and towns, a guy from Speedway, attorney Gene Liu, was the chairman and could, real nice guy. Mm -hmm. And in this second session, a short session, mm -hmm. we were only allowed five bills. And... Chairman Lou asked me how many bills I had. I said, I got 
three, I think. I'm mm -hmm. not sensible anymore, and they're not going to yeah. get hurt. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, I promised somebody that I'd introduce a bill for him, and I already got my five in. Would you carry this bill? Mm -hmm. I'm sure. We're pretty sure of getting hurt if a chairman's asking. Yeah. And it was a simple bill, and uh, <laughs> it ended up being real funny, so we, we got it worked out. And uh, one of the other representatives didn't think it was right that we do that mm -hmm. to have a first-term person getting a bill like that. So he went to the speaker and uh, told the speaker he needed to amend that into another bill, which they did, and uh, which is okay with me. I, yeah. I was just doing it for a favor for. It could have been something that I didn't like. I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> right. for, Lou was a very nice guy. Mm -hmm. Steve Moberly was another one uh, that was over there that mm -hmm. uh, was very helpful from the other side. Mm -hmm. We started to talk a little bit about this, but how would you describe the regular interaction amongst assembly members, whether that was formal or informal? On the floor, it was formal, mm -hmm. uh, although some people took some liberties, and uh, but it, outside the floor, it could be informal. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that uh, I would try to be terribly informal with Chairman Kiley when he's ways and means, mm -hmm. whether it was a private meeting with him or what, and same way with Bauer, when he was ways and means. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had a bill, and and I got I got Kylie to hear that. I mean, not hear, but talk to me about it. And the bill dealt with uh, the taxes on automobiles, excise tax, mm -hmm. and they, you know, went up as far as new and as far as as uh, value of the vehicle, and. Uh, my father-in-law had retired, he was a golf professional locally, and he'd bought, just about that time, he'd bought a new Lincoln. Well, that was going to last him the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. It did, and uh, but it was pretty expensive to keep up as far as excise tax. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about doing something that would allow those people to get 50%, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one time. Right. And. Uh, Telling me that it would probably sell more cars, people would be more likely to sell more cars, the salesmen make more money, mm -hmm. pay more taxes. And he says, Those are all ifs. You gotta show me where it's gonna not gonna cost us a bunch of money. And which was his job to, mm -hmm. to do that. And uh, we ended up not, but eventually we did get breaks down the line. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was just, I didn't go in there and be smart with him. I was in yeah. there trying to, you know, he was the man, and I was trying sure. to, to uh, I wouldn't say be obsequious, but uh, trying to get my point across. Mm -hmm. And they, they were pretty nice about it. Yeah. Did you often, you know, go to dinner with other members or talk, you know, at the apartments? I mean, was there a lot of business conducted off the floor? We, uh, the freshmen, 
uh, that was there, and that was at least eight, I'm going to say maybe mm -hmm. nine, uh, would have pick a night and we'd find a legislator that was had been a while or knew a lot about issues mm -hmm. and maybe a couple of them and we'd go to one of our apartments and either have pizza or yeah. somebody sometimes I'd make Italian sausage and sandwiches and stuff and we'd have a couple hours with them telling us what was what and mm -hmm. how you do this and if we had questions we mm -hmm. did that and there's a couple of them that were very willing and very cooperative and didn't do it for any reason other than for the rest of us to know better what uh -huh. was going on. And uh, having meals, with, there were some groups that we could go to IREAs or someplace mm -hmm. and have people from both sides. Uh, receptions, they do a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I first went over there, and of course they had to change the law because of the FBI, I think, they were having a lot of hospitality rooms. Businesses mm -hmm. would have a hospitality room and everybody mm -hmm. would go there and mm -hmm. provide themselves with drink and food. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, but I think they ended up having to change that. At least I did, they, they had receptions. Yeah. And uh, go to some of those and I figured as soon as I met everybody, I had had enough. I didn't need that anymore. Yeah. Okay. Um, you've also talked a little bit about this, but what were interactions like between the majority and minority parties? And at various times, you were one of each, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How would you describe that? Uh. I got to find a word. <laughs> okay. Sometimes it was okay, mm -hmm. and uh, there are some individuals that run a committee that would have a guy have five bills, all these five bills heard, and you'd wonder why. <laughs> and uh, other times it was pretty cordial. Uh, when, when one of the years did get a lot of bills on uh, financial institutions, 10 or 12 maybe. And uh, of course some of those were carrying water for the director, Director Phillips of the department. And get your name on, usually try to get the minority party to put a couple on, maybe the ranking member preferably. And uh, one of the policies I had, and I'd ask the author of the bill, or who wanted the bill, is it going to make waves? If it's going to make mm -hmm. waves, I don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Or I'll hear it, but we won't go any further. Yeah. And sometimes we'd bring it in, and he didn't think it was going to cause waves, but they filled up the room with people against it. And the first thing I would do then would take the author and a member of the minority and one other person mm -hmm. and set them to set a subcommittee meeting up on the balconies or someplace. Mm -hmm. And when they corrected it to the point that 
we didn't have objection and a lot of grief, bring them back. We'll yeah. vote on it. Yeah. And uh, that worked. Uh -huh. Worked out a lot of times. They, the, the author finally decided, well, we do need these changes. Mm -hmm. Getting this is better than that. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it was cordial, and I involved them. Uh, I, I think it was, it was that my way a lot. Mm -hmm. What what were interactions, or rather, what differences were there between members of the House and the Senate, or were there many interactions uh, between the two? Well, it was uh, natural. I had some interactions because the senator from here, uh, naturally, I'd want him to latch on to bills I was sending over there and sure. pick, either pick somebody I knew or mm -hmm. he knew, get it passed, get a better chance of getting it passed that way. Mm -hmm. uh, some interactions that, that I recall, it was, it was almost like it wasn't Republican against Democrat, it was House against Senate. Interesting. That maybe someone would say something in the Senate that would would upset everybody in the house, and if they were agitated a little bit, it was enough to say, it's over. Uh, but th that there were many occasions there were issues between the House and the Senate that were more, I'm going to say, more vigorous meetings than, uh, than it was between the parties in that specific mm -hmm. House or Senate. That's interesting. What was your relationship like with your seatmate over the years? Well, after the first year, I uh, got to move, uh, and I chose the back seat in the back row. And uh, very, very popular for a couple of reasons. One, you're right beside the door, so if somebody wants to see you, you can slip out. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also see everything in the room that's going on, mm -hmm. regardless of whether that's horseplay or work. Uh -huh. And uh, then that that was a 50-50. And then we took a like a 52-50 majority. Mm -hmm. We got two seats on the other side, so I moved to the other side, which was usually with a freshman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I... I always enjoyed it and always thought I was helpful to them as people had been helpful mm -hmm. to me when the new people come in. Uh, Wynn Moses mm -hmm. sat to the left of me when he came in. Mm -hmm. We would talk and, I'd, you know, you may not like it, you may not like the speaker, but yeah. you got to respect the position mm -hmm. of the speaker. And say, so basically, you do what I say and not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, Linda Lawson mm -hmm. sat by me a couple of years. One of those years of the year we had the payday loans. And while we could, if we knew ahead of time, we could get police protection, it didn't mean you knew who was coming in or why. Mm -hmm. So that was about the time I got a, a permit. And Linda had been the first lady police person in Indiana, uh, up in Hammond. And, uh, so she sat next to me, and she and I and Nancy got along well. And 
One day she came in and I showed her my briefcase where I had that pistol in it. She, what do you do? And I said, well, if there's trouble, Linda, I'm going to be under that desk handing you this pistol. <laughs> she said, yeah, you want me to do all the paperwork. Oh, that's funny. Um, so were you concerned because the payday lender uh, issue was so controversial? It, it was toward the end, and mm -hmm. it was people who were running paydays weren't always big companies. They were mm -hmm. smaller individuals or mm -hmm. smaller groups, and there was probably few other ways they could make that kind of money. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you could go to jail for, for doing those, yeah. like selling drugs or robbing a bank. Or, well, I guess you could win the lottery and not go to jail. But yeah. they, it was a good money maker for people that had no other way to make that kind mm -hmm. of money. And you never knew. They thought they were helping people. Yeah. Uh, you just never know. Yeah. So I, sure. I, I started caring. I, I, mm -hmm. First they had five-year permits, and it became you had to keep up the memory so you could remember when to mm -hmm. apply ahead of time. And They would ask me if I wanted a five-year permit or a lifetime, and at that time I'd tell them five years could be a lifetime for me. <laughs> and uh, I'd then eventually go to the permanent and mm -hmm. lifetime. Hmm. But I haven't. I had, when I had little kids around here, I had it locked. And, Everything stored in different places and mm -hmm. hid. Nancy would tell me, I hope we don't have anybody come in because the only thing you could do with that is throw it at them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, can you briefly walk me through the process of generating a bill? What that sort of look like from beginning to end? Uh, we can do that. First, uh, the thought has to come from somewhere, and in my case, I usually depended on someone from my area mm -hmm. telling me something they thought would be good, and then you develop it by taking that subject matter to legislative service area, telling me to like mm -hmm. a bill. They researched the bill to make sure that there's not one like it. Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that it would pass the muster constitution. Mm -hmm. And uh, then if that being so, and you've told them what you want, they put it in form mm -hmm. and let you read it and see if you need to make changes. Mm -hmm. And if you want it to proceed in bill form, then you want to get some co-signers. Mm -hmm co-sponsors, and usually you've got four, two of each party is what we tried to do. Mm -hmm. But after a while, some popular bills, they allowed everybody wanted to be on it. We've had some with almost 100% on once they opened that up. Uh, then you, they give you 10 or 11 copies, and you sign those, and if there's co-signers, they get a sign. Mm -hmm. And then you take it to the clerk's office and file it with the clerk. And then it's put on the list of bills mm -hmm. with an agenda. And then uh, they assign to committees. The speaker will assign them to committees. 
you would hope that you get a committee that you can talk the chairman into having a hearing. Yeah. Uh, doesn't always happen. And uh, once you have a hearing and there may be a committee, there may be changes in the committee and they'd reprint it. And then they'd take it to the desk and had to lay on everybody's desk, big paper form on mm -hmm. everybody's desk for, I think it was 24 hours. Maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah. And because uh, now I've been gone longer than right. I was there. <laughs> and uh, then it's on first reading. And if there's no objection, it's advanced to second reading. Mm -hmm. the second reading is where you have the amendments. If there's amendments, it has to be reprinted and lay on the desk for mm -hmm. 24 hours before you can bring it up on third reading. And usually, the speaker will list them, but they don't always, if you're on the list and you're fifth from the top, and you may say, I'm not ready yet, I haven't got enough people I've mm -hmm. talked to, so you can pass and they'll reschedule it okay. for another day. But once you get the second reading and it's laid on the desk, then the third reading, when you go on the board and vote, and if it passes, it's then sent to the Senate, which goes through almost the same type of procedure if it makes it. Mm -hmm. If there's a change in the Senate in the bill, mm -hmm. you have a right to accept that change or decline. And if you decline, you end up setting up a conference committee where both sides gets together and tries to work out the mm -hmm. difference. And uh, it was my while before I, I was really looking forward to a conference committee. And Potch Wheeler, Senator Wheeler, uh, was the chairman of the conference committee. And I was really looking forward to this. And the, the bill had a couple of changes with commas and a couple changes to periods and one spelling correction. And there I was terribly enthused to get to my first meeting and it was almost over before I <laughs> knew it was there. <laughs> but anyway, then if it's accepted by the conference committee and referred back, then it has to pass each body again mm -hmm. before it goes to the governor. Then the governor has so many days to sign it mm -hmm. or veto it. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, if it's vetoed, they used to hang on to them sometimes forever. Mm -hmm. uh, speaker or wherever it originated, House mm -hmm. or Senate, they could hang on to them, put them in the safe, and you wouldn't see it. Actually, when one of the, some of the first bills, veto bills that I got to vote on were from Ed Whitcomb. Wow. And uh, those were the kind they explained to you, and you figure, well, Here's the guy that was head of the state, and I don't remember what was going on. He mm -hmm. thought it was bad, so you got to prove to me it's right, or else you got to support the governor. Right, right. And uh, well, it was a—it's not an easy process mm -hmm. to make a bill a law. After the governor signs it, unless it's an emergency, something that needs to take place mm -hmm. right away. It's waited for promalgamation, which is all the ball bills being put into laws mm -hmm. on July the 1st. It's also the date the budget takes effect. Mm -hmm. And that's the important thing when I you know, used to get up and read the Star every morning after I was out. 
and see, follow the bells and what was going to be law. In fact, I haven't cleaned that out yet. That room out there, I need to clean it up. But I was, I had had, had a television set still out there, but I had a television set. I'd go out and sit at this end of the table with those windows open and have coffee and watch television and read the star. And I was doing that, and this lady that was close called a friend of Nancy. She said, Martha wants to talk to you. She talked to me. Some plane has hit a, a building in New York. I said, well, some crazy pilot. Didn't know what he was doing. And she said, turn on your TV. And no more you got it turned on. And the second plane hit. And that was... Uh, that was a strange day. I was supposed to, uh, the Optimus Club usually met on Tuesday at noon, and I'd committed to speak to them, bring them up to date, mm -hmm. down at MCL. <clears throat> and they changed it to Wednesday evening. So I went Wednesday evening. I, I said, the first thing I said, this, this has to be a special week. We have all the trouble with planes and invaders, and I was speaking at the Optimus Noon Club in the evening. <laughs> it was a strange week. I bet. And that would have been in your last term, right? In 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Well. September 11th. Mm -hmm. I had, uh, I think it was that previous. Saturday that we'd flown to Montgomery someplace in Alabama and went to a Ball State Auburn football game and it rained <laughs> and it was a rickety plane and we got back I wasn't sure about flying again anyway after that rickety plane, and then that Tuesday that happens, I'm sure I, it may have been seven or eight years before I flew again. Wow. Yeah. It was a tough day, certainly. Well, as you were thinking through what legislation you wanted to, to put forward, and as you were working through that process, how did you garner support for your legislation? I've talked to people, say, I got this bill, take a look at it if you want to see if you'd like to be a co-sponsor. Mm -hmm. You can usually talk to enough people, mm -hmm. that, and definitely you want to talk to the people on the committee that it's assigned to. But once it starts moving, then mm -hmm. they can talk to other people, unless it's terribly political, something that going to gerrymander my district or yeah. something. Usually you get better chances at going through it. One of the things I did through my term, there's what they call an Eastern Indiana Model Legislature Program. And there's uh, Liberty, Centerville, Winchester, Hagerstown, I think there's another one. There's probably one or two more that get together and they political parties and if mm -hmm. they don't have enough on one they appoint them from each school and then they meet 
like at Hagerstown and and uh, form platforms, the Republicans and the Democrats. And then they'll go maybe to Northeastern and do some other things and elect their officers and the mm -hmm. governor. And each year I would make sure they had use of the chambers mm -hmm. to have their final day in. And they would even go to the point of impeaching the governor. Oh, wow. <laughs> they get a little wild. But they knew government, especially if they'd started in the ninth grade and they were seniors, uh -huh. they knew what was going on. So I'd done this all the years, and we once honored the school person that started this program mm -hmm. and had done it for 25 years or something. So my last term, I think it was my last term, I uh, talked to the body before their last day and said, here's what I'd like to do. I would like for you guys to come up with a bill, a real bill, that I can introduce. And you come and present that bill to the committee it's assigned to. I said, we don't need bills like Coke machines in every hallway <laughs> or potato chip breaks, <laughs> something serious. Uh -huh. And so they did. They come up with a serious bill. and. Uh, Two of their officers come over and presented it, and you might have thought it would have been a fairly simple bill. Just that's, that's what they all say. It's a simple little bill. Of course. Uh, so we got it on the docket for a committee. I think it was the education committee I was on, where I could, you know, get the chairman to do it. And uh, the bill was to allow students to have cell phones in their possession during school. If they used them while in class, their rights would be gone, but they could at least have them in case school let out early and they could call mm -hmm. mom or mm -hmm. something drastic happened that mm -hmm. they could get out, which has happened many times since then. Mm -hmm. And they did a good job of presenting the bill. And there's probably the only two people in that room that was really for it, that everybody in education, the police force in Marion County, the Marion County superintendents, and there was a packed room against that bill. And they, these young men got to see firsthand how the bill starts. Uh -huh. And uh, I, I asked him to hold it, because rather than vote on it that day. And I talked to them, I said, it's going to get beat. <laughs> so we better just hold it. But you can vote if you want to see it voted on. Mm -hmm. But they got that experience, and I'm sure they got to take that back yeah. to their schools mm -hmm. that, that they participated in. That's neat. And yeah, I thought it was yeah. probably one of the best things I'd done. I feel, felt yeah. good about doing mm -hmm. About helping them actually understand the whole process and being then part, being yeah, part, yeah. other than just as a model. Right, right. That's really cool. Um, did you have a sense of how people would vote prior to actual voting? I mean, it sounds like you did at least in that instance, but well, generally, you, you, you know, from the testimony, if it's mm -hmm. there, it was going to be hard. It, I could. Couldn't twist arms enough, you know. People weren't going to say, "I'm going to vote for this." Yeah. And with everybody in the world against it, uh, 
usually you had an idea, you could ask them if he was mm -hmm. wavy. One bill I introduced was uh, was to uh, put the uh, physical therapist training at Ball State. At that time, they only mm -hmm. had it at Evansville and mm -hmm. Indiana, you know, Indiana State or Indianapolis University mm -hmm. of Indiana. So I wanted to get funding at Ball State so we could have another source of physical mm -hmm. therapists. And I came to a vote, and then it happened. Mike McDaniel, who had been state mm -hmm. Republican chairman, was a lobbyist for Ball State. And he was up in the balcony, so I, you know, I'm talking, even the state chairman on the other side would like to see this money come up there. I'm sure he would. Would you, Mike? And, and whether he would or not, he's there. And, and uh, I thought I had a good chance of making it. And two people in the district, this area, voted against it when it would have been to their benefit to vote for it. One of them stuck with his party, and one of them was payback to me for voting against his bills. <laughs> but it was usually, you know, and others, if it's a big bill, everybody knows about where it is. Mm -hmm. About where it during your tenure, what it, what roles did party leadership play? I think the the biggest they, they had roles of appointing committees and assigning bills and any follow up they needed to do. But one of the best things they did, in my opinion, was when they had caucuses. They were informational caucuses. Some issue maybe not even involved, mm -hmm. they would have someone in to speak on an issue mm -hmm. and let you know, like the budget director would come in before you ever start and say, well, this is where we're at and this mm -hmm. is where we think we're going to be mm -hmm. and this is why, uh, would be a, a good example. Or maybe judiciary, there's mm -hmm. something that they needed and they'd have one of the uh, Supreme Court judges usually a chief justice or somebody come in and speak to you about mm -hmm. it. You can ask questions. Uh, there was, the information part of it was probably probably best. Mm -hmm. After a while, you can know what's going, if they're meeting on issues in a caucus, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And if you don't go to the meeting, you know before they get downstairs, somebody's come and told you already, but yeah. you knew what was going to go down. Uh -huh. So... <laughs> I think the information part and the, the keeping thing, the Speaker of the U.S. House is good at doing what she does, mm -hmm. and that is to keep things moving, know what needs to move and what can't move, mm -hmm. and how to educate those people. And I think uh, maybe not the same method, but I, I think maybe she gets a little static she shouldn't get because she does the job that she's supposed to do 
and Mike Phillips got a lot of static, but he did a job he was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, Senator Borst was good because he had to say no a lot, and he did that. <laughs> and you know he had to do that. It was his job. Yeah. We went to, they bought a place down in Florida, and we went down to visit and uh, stopped at St. Alley. Larry was still up here and had lunch with her. And she was bragging that she talked Larry into buying that house and he said it wouldn't be worth it on the 13th floor of this condo or something. And she said they, they got it for like, I don't know, 200000 It was then worth 350000 So she said, I'm telling him I did the right thing. <laughs> but... Uh, she said something about people picking on Larry all the time, and it's true, even his own party. Yeah. And uh, I, I said, Ellie, I hate to tell you this, but I even do. If I got something in the budget and it gets knocked out, I say, I got it in, but Larry knocked it out. Well, it's his job to do that. Yeah. But it doesn't do me any good talking to people here. I got it in. Well, where's it at? Mm -hmm. You got to then find that out and talk with him. That, well, it's just part of his job. Didn't mean you disliked him. Sure. Sure. What does the public not know about the Indiana General Assembly or how it operates? Good question. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> no, I... I uh, there's been changes over the time, but it's still, and there's more women now than there used to be, many more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but this comment's not going to come out right, but it's still the good old boys. I mean, they're cliquish. Yeah. And the people I knew when I was in there, I wouldn't feel bad about driving across the state and say, hey, I'm here, come and have lunch with me, or whatever. And uh, I, I'm assuming there is that closeness, fraternity, fraternity sorority yeah. type situation that goes on. Uh, there are some things that go on that probably should not go on, um, but it keeps it keeps us running, mm -hmm. keeps us going. And uh, while I don't particularly like it, there's maybe no other way it could happen. Mm -hmm. uh, budget is, you know, very intricate. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a couple times when they forecast wrong and they got to cut things or you want to add things and the money didn't come in like you thought they would. Uh, I remember we did some smoke and mirrors to make sure schools got the money they had coming. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are other issues with that budget and the way it becomes presented back to the full bodies for final approval. And uh, I... I can probably guess there's 20 people that I knew in the House and Senate that read every word of every bill. Mm -hmm. 
other than that, you depend on a synopsis or mm-hmm. fiscal report mm-hmm. or somebody that dealt with it. What's this mean? Yeah. Uh, but there are things and there are ways that bills that should never, they've already been beat, get back in. There are ways that in the last few hours, things get in the budget that nobody had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. It's not something that has made the state a worse state. Uh, but it's not, to me, it's not where it should be at eye level. Mm-hmm. Would you say like those things are happening to like keep a balance or why why are there sort of those deals going on behind the scenes? Well, to get the, the budget out, it, it narrows down to a small group of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more people you have, the more chances you have of getting rumors out or too many different mm-hmm. voices and they're there to work to get it done. And a lot of cases, it's, it's the majority that's going to control it in the end anyway. And when we were there and had a majority in the House and the Republicans had a majority in the Senate, it's difficult enough if you both have majorities. Yeah. But to get things done and keep it moving and not work all year on a budget, yeah. it's a it's a necessary, maybe a necessary evil. I, I wouldn't say it's evil, but yeah. something that we'd like to find a Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'd like to find a better way. Sure. Do you think that mainly happens with the budget, or does it happen with other legislative issues? It has happened with other, but in conferences where that happens, and you're going to have notice of conferences. Not always that you notice of what's going in or who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, a bill that somebody around here wanted, and... Uh, the association didn't, that was whatever it was, Prosecutors Association or something, didn't want it. And uh, I did, made it through one house, but not two. So every chance I found a bill that I could amend it into, I went to the conference committee guy and tried to amend it into that bill. And the guy would chase me around to these rooms. <laughs> getting it out or keeping it out every time. I had about four or five bills that would want in. Didn't pass, but mm-hmm. that was something that somebody in local government here mm-hmm. thought was a good idea, so I tried to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not everybody thought it was a good idea. Yeah. How did your legislative service affect your family life? I know you said your kids were out of the house by that point, but... Oh, for a while, when Ruth was ill, Nancy didn't get to come over there, so it was, it was like a weekend marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was Ruth her mother? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, before Ruth got ill, she would be over there daily mm-hmm. and come and go with me and after uh, she did too some mm-hmm. and in the last year 
Well, we started talking about River Point Suites, oh, mm -hmm. and we way back, and, and we stayed at some place over on Illinois uh, apartment like business for a while, and then uh, moved in. Don't take offense to this. Moved into the Columbia Club. I won't take offense to that. We did that. Whatever year it was, it was like. 90 bucks for 90 to in year 1990 to join your mm -hmm. legislator. We got room and workout facilities and breakfast and for a while, maybe parking. But uh, so we got a room there mm -hmm. and uh, stayed there for quite a while. In fact, one year we had a room on the circle mm -hmm. and uh, a guy that I wish you could interview has passed away now. Representative Sturtz, he's sheriff up there in the north, and we had adjoining rooms, and he would say, you guys going home this weekend? Yeah. He said, I got some family coming down, can we use your bedroom? I said, sure, your doors open yeah. right between them, just get the sheets changed. <laughs> and. Uh, Eventually, they remodeled. We'd move somewhere else on another floor, mm -hmm. and they were remodeling everything. And uh, so, because they were remodeling our room, we couldn't get what we wanted. We moved over to the canal overlook, mm -hmm. and uh, Sturtz and I shared an apartment. It had a kitchen, living area, and bedrooms mm -hmm. on each side. Since he was the bigger guy, he got the bigger bedroom. <laughs> but uh, and the only thing that I had to put up with was the Wednesday night bicycle club, and <laughs> it was really, a, really a, an odd couple. But a, you know, we were friends. We we went up there when he was campaigning. After we left, uh, his LA had told us he had this. Blitz this weekend up in Kendallville or somewhere. Mm -hmm. So we drove up the night before, spent a big night in a local hotel and mm -hmm. diner, got to visit Lake Period and showed up at the headquarters the next morning about the time they were ready to start. And you know, he about dropped and we're there. I said, We come up here to work all the Democrat precincts for you. He says, well, you and Nancy would be going home in about 10 minutes. <laughs> and he's a funny guy. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I, I, from a couple of newspaper articles I read, it seemed like maybe you had some health issues during the time that you served. I did. What, was, what happened there? Well, in uh, 89, I uh, went to boat rights. And I went to Nancy, went over to Vincennes, Indiana, to go to John Gregg's wedding in Washington, Indiana, and did. And then the reception was at Bruceville Rod and Gun Club. And the real thing was, I was probably trying to keep up with all those young kids dancing. And I told everybody it was really because 
Greg had a cash bar <laughs> at his reception. Now had some problems and didn't feel good and went out and keeled over. Oh goodness! And uh, a heart attack. And uh, John's brother was a dentist. And he had some other doctor friends. <laughs> they come out and looked and oh, he's just drunk. <laughs> well, I went back to the room and and decided I probably better take a shower and go to the local hospital to be checked out, and they did. And they found that, and then they sent me up to St. Vincent's after a couple of days mm -hmm. and got back in that, and then a few years later I had a stroke. Uh, but each time I, I made it back, you know, the uh, my my big I've spent some time out at that rehabilitation hospital of Indiana. I thought I could do more than I c could, but I I did walk up the steps to go back in the session, and uh, come home and eye hand coordination wasn't much, but I had a group I played golf with, and they, I'd ride around with them, mm -hmm. and they said, "Here, here's a ball. Hit a ball off this tee." And it, it was so bad that I missed the ball entirely about three times. And then I finally drew a ball off. But I did get back to playing golf yeah. before the summer was over. Wow, good for you. And uh, they had another bout with it. And then in 2004, I visited a young doctor over in Indianapolis. And uh, he checked me. And here they started it. They said I was 100% clogged there. And I went to Randy Irwin in Indianapolis and he checked it and he said, well, it's not 100%, but you probably ought to take care of it as quick as you can. Mm -hmm. And each year you wait, it's going to run a risk of something breaking off. And sure. So I did. We set it up and I got, got it done, hmm, I'm thinking early May maybe. And uh, still had that thing, so I wore a turtleneck son. <laughs> and uh, went to one of the class reunions I had. <clears throat> uh, that's still patched up there. I even got to use that as, as part of a speech once in a while. That they made sure that I had a full flow back to the brain. But there were a lot of people in Indianapolis that knew I it wasn't getting enough blood to my brain to start with. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, and then uh, a couple of years ago, I broke a hip hmm. and uh, had another problem along with that, which limited me for about six months. And then I'd, I'd say I'm probably trying to get back to where I was. I keep, sure that thing around in case I go very far and, mm -hmm. and uh, or at night yeah. and uh, walk with the cam now so I can go in many restaurants mm -hmm. with, uh, mm -hmm. with the cane. But we're, we're still at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been at this for quite a while now and I have, I still have just a few more questions here. Do you want to take a quick break or? I'm okay. You're okay? Keep powering if you through. Need to, yeah, I'm fine. No, I, I can keep going. If you're right. Okay. 
Well, I want to spend a few minutes and talk about some of the key legislation and committee work that you've referenced here a, a little bit, but what would you say was the most controversial or what were the most controversial legislative issues during your time in the assembly? Well, was controversial when it happened. And they started to decide to redistrict in mid-time of a decennial census, which is probably unconstitutional and everything else. So we took a long caucus and that long caucus left the building. Mr. Speaker Manweiler was the speaker. We stayed out for a long time, and he sent us a letter and said that they're going to reclaim our pay. I said, well, do you send him back a letter any time? You just let me know. And uh, John Gregg uh, said that if they sent anybody after him, He's over there in Sanborn. You'd see some fat guy running across the field, jumping the fence to go to <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> and it was, that was probably the most controversial thing because it did cause a break in the session. Mm -hmm. and that was in the 990s, mid 90s. Yeah, somewhere there. We yeah. were we were like 50-50, and then we went yeah. to to majority a while, and then. Minority and then 50 50 again. Mm -hmm. That's not something unusual. At least they did have the two plaques on the wall, and there weren't very many of us that were in both of those 50 50. Oh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. So you, you all stayed out for weeks, maybe? I'm, I'm thinking it wasn't as long as the one that Bauer and them did uh -huh. more recently. It was probably, I'm going to say two weeks or better. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And how was that was resolved with the redistricting? What did they? They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And it, oh. too many news media mm -hmm. attorneys, judges, and everybody saying that they were wrong. They shouldn't yeah. be doing that midterm. Mm -hmm. And so, but that that left some hard feelings. I bet. On both sides, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were there any other issues that you recall, or you think that's the main one? Well, there are probably several tough issues. The, the uh, casinos was a tough issue. Mm -hmm. What made that so tough, in your opinion? Uh, it was close. I mean, close numbers, and people were for it or against it for various reasons. Uh, not entirely morally. Uh, so there were some that were morally against it mm -hmm. and some that favored it. And, and the speaker kept a good count. I mean, he knew where it was. And 
obvious that they could get it in the Senate. Uh, he counted votes and he'd ask more than once, can you do this? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't, you know, arm pressure, but can you see your way clear? And my answer to him was that basically people in my area like to gamble, but they like to do it in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> too many Quakers over here that, yeah. that don't like, morally don't like mm -hmm. it. So I said, my safest position is to be against it, which I was. And uh, that was a, a tough issue, and it was right, was down to the last vote. Uh, I don't know if you heard of Bill Schreiber, but he was kind of an advisor, office manager for Mike Phillips. And he came to the back of the room where I was sitting, and uh, you could see the numbers on the board, and sometimes people play. Mm -hmm. They'll put a yes and then quickly back to no, or no and quickly to yes. And you could see that there was 50 votes, and they were waiting for somebody who hadn't voted yet to do 51. And I'm sure Shriver was back there to let whoever it was know that there's 50 and they better be voting. And as soon as the person voted and got 51, the machine was closed. I mean, you didn't have a chance to change it. That was a tough issue. Yeah. And that one drug out for a while, too, right? I mean, that wasn't a one-session issue by any means. I went back to the year before I got over there, and it was, it was that or horse racing, I can't remember mm -hmm. which, but Roberts, J. Roberts Daly, the speaker, held it mm -hmm. and wouldn't head it in his pocket, wouldn't let it go. Mm -hmm. That's partially what got him beat. Yeah. What, you've also mentioned several of these throughout, but what were some of the key issues that you championed during your tenure? Oh, I, I you know, either did myself or supported other people. I did uh, book fees, paid book fees rather than paying them locally. Sheila Clinker mm -hmm. was always big on that. In a couple of years, she got tired of it and let me run it. And, uh, and do you mean through the schools, the book fees? Yeah, yeah. we yeah. you go in and pay book fees, yeah. and the some of the people, like a lady, come up and testified from New Albany or someplace, and she had to work an extra job and three kids, and when they get to be in high school, they're running them over three hundred bucks, and yeah. it's difficult, you know, when you got three kids mm -hmm. to buy clothes, let alone pay that kind of book fees. Yeah. And, the opposition always said that uh, they just more appreciate them and they'll tear them up. How are you going to do that? I said, like you do in a library. If you tear up or lose a book, what do you do there? Well, you pay for it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. And uh, I, I served as chairman on an interim study committee on libraries mm -hmm. when the funding was cut from federal government and Marion County Library wasn't getting enough for interuse, mm -hmm. so they were declining to recognize others. And I learned, as chairman, that I learned how many library districts there were and tried to come up with a reasonable solution that would make everybody happy. 
and first one that I knew of, we met in some of the sites that was suffering the problems. We met in Michigan City, met in Greenfield, where a lot of people move out of Indianapolis to the Greenfield area, no longer had use of that library in, in Marion County, so they missed it a lot. Uh, four or five meetings on the interim and had people from that area mm -hmm. say what they think. Sure. So that was valuable, I think, and, and, and we come out with a recommendation that we did at least get some resolution mm -hmm. to that. Uh, we talked already about the uh, payday loans. Mm -hmm. I read a little bit about um, that you were supported various measures that were trying to revitalize downtown areas. What was your reasoning behind that, or why was that an important issue for you? Well, you need to drive through our downtown. <laughs> uh, it was just important because everybody has a different problem, although it may be the same, it's different. Yeah. And ways to do that. You know, I always got comments from local government that your mandate is to do something, you don't give us any money. I said, I asked a couple of them, I said, when did a bill pass while I was over there that mandated you to do something, and I can name one real quick, but didn't provide a way to pay for it? And that wasn't what they was interested in. They didn't want to provide the way. They wanted you to pay for it. Uh -huh. And didn't want to have to raise taxes to do that. One was changing the lights on police cars. Mm -hmm. where they changed them so they got the red and blue or red and white and blue. Or, and they had to change those bars, but they didn't have to do it until they bought new cars. And they had a fund that they could raise money sure. to put in there. Uh, there are ways that they can make local districts, if they grow, collect a tax from that based on their growth to help mm -hmm. cover that mm -hmm. and help cover other entities. And we did a couple of those. Uh, Sometimes they don't work out because things go the other way. They've borrowed a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. Now, the Elkhart, as I understand, has done a lot of infrastructure where they, they pay for it with mm -hmm. that, local assets. It helps the business. The business participates, mm -hmm. but it does all the infrastructure they need to do to, to provide for it. Now, just I suppose what happens to them is when the camper get business goes down, then, then they're hurt. And I know they yeah. were when and the most recent recession that we'd had. Mm -hmm. I think I had read, too, that you were, I know you're obviously, we've talked a little bit about higher education, but also a proponent of early childhood education. Yeah, and that, that's a strange thing. I, when, when I went to kindergarten, it, it was half day. It was more babysitting project, I think, than it made learn gave you a chance to learn to interact with other people your age. And uh, 
but it, it was to go to full day kindergarten. It was to help pay for full day kindergarten mm -hmm. <coughs> and to, to have some, another issue, birth to five, where they educate not only the child but the parents. Mm -hmm. And uh, but there's been a big program in this area. But uh, kindergarten is no longer a little rug that you take naps on mm -hmm. and uh, maybe build with a building block. And the, the grade school I went to, kindergarten in, they had huge, long, tall windows. They come that high off the floor, maybe. And springtime, they raise those windows. And of course, they pull the blinds when you're on your nap periods. Mm -hmm. And I, I found a way that I could scoop my rug over to that window and be out that window on my way home for my knee. <laughs> Except that that lady I told you about that died while I was in the mm -hmm. hospital. A couple times she caught me and she grabbed my ankles and pulled me back in the room. <laughs> and then hollered for Miss Thornburg. <laughs> That's funny. So you just felt overall that kindergarten needed to be more rigorous and offer more before the kids were getting into first and second grade. And At my first. Uh, my first inclination was that it was still a babysitting project. Mm -hmm. uh, after I got into the early childhood development stuff, and we had a, a teacher superintendent over here, uh, Vicki DeMeo, who was big on the uh, early childhood intervention and that most people between three and five, do more development than they do at any other period in their lives. And that's why little children in multilingual homes can speak mm -hmm. multilingual mm -hmm. and understand, hopefully. Uh, so I've, I was a convert on that mm -hmm. because I just thought it was a, a, a babysitting issue. But I thought... I, I Evansville had done it for a long time, mm -hmm. and they found ways to pay for it themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, it became an issue state level. Yeah. And uh, I had had enough people educate me and show me the light mm -hmm. that uh, it is it is valuable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I had another big bill. Uh, not throwing lighted objects out of windows. I think I read about that one. Tell me more. Well, I had home and I went to Centerville for a school board meeting mm -hmm. and it was a nice evening. So on the way back, I'm 40, I rolled my window down rather than using the air conditioning. And over in front of Earl College and Earl Cemetery is a dip. And just as I got into that dip, a pickup truck passed me. And I don't think there was intent but to do anything more, but the driver flipped a cigarette up. That cigarette came and hit me right here, bounced to the floor, part of it, part of it to the back seat. As quickly as I could, I pulled off the edge of the road to make sure it was out. Yeah and both front and back. And I thought, you know, this is not very courteous, if nothing else, but mm -hmm. let us suppose 
that would have happened with a new mother with a baby in one of those carriers mm -hmm. in the back seat and that fire went to the back seat. Yeah. And not, I don't mean this for any other reason than the protectiveness of a new mother. Mm -hmm. It could have been a wreck. Yeah. That if that happened mm -hmm. in that case. So I passed the law and get enough, everybody said I can't reinforce it, so on and so forth. Got got even uh, some little packages, cups like that, mm -hmm. from Georgia. Somebody was making them where you can put water in there and dunk your cigarette in and put it down in the waste part uh -huh. and empty it when you feel like. Yeah. And uh, I was giving those to everybody that I knew that we smoked and... When I got back to the legislature, there were all kinds of people saying, well, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. And I'd tell them, Jim Shella, who was with Channel 8, and uh, I'd tell him, he said, you know, that happened to me, too. And a couple of others mm -hmm. like that would say, why'd you do that? Well, it happened to me, too. Yeah. And uh, Bill, uh, I think of Bill's last name, he was a lobbyist. Uh, he asked me, I told him, he said he was driving his pickup and he had all his clothes in the back of the car, truck, pickup bed, and flipped his cigarette out and it burned all his clothes up. <laughs> well, that's okay. It's not flipping into where it can be a danger to another life or sure. it'd be like me, you know, I like bananas, but I don't throw the peel out of the window <laughs> of a car. Uh -huh. And there are other dangers. A lot of states have where you can't do that because of fires. Mm -hmm. right. And in my opinion, it also would cover firecrackers, and which ordinarily is illegal anyway. Oh well, it was. Uh, I got a lot of ribbon over it. Nobody yeah. could enforce it. And I got back to Richmond. The first one I seen was a policeman driving out, <laughs> and then. Mortician on the west side, who's been a good friend of Ernie Mills, started giving me a little static. He said he had to pay a fine over my bill. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I don't smoke, but my wife, Betty, did that. And they caught her, and I got to pay the fine. <laughs> so it's, well... I don't know if it's even still law yeah. there. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's still in the books. Did you get burnt on the neck or anything? Just a, just a little here. Uh-huh. Uh, like right uh, under your throat, kind of. Yeah, goodness. But it was, you know, yeah. something had happened that made me think, Sure. there ought to be a law. <laughs> um, what legislation did you work hardest on? I'm I'm wanting to say that payday loan thing. Mm -hmm. Although it could be budgets for primary, secondary, post-secondary, mm -hmm. and some language within that too. Mm -hmm. The one that I remember. Education committee, they wanted to change some laws in Marion County. And uh, we were in a committee hearing on the bill. Everybody in there was pretty much speaking 
for the bill, mm-hmm. except a couple. And I asked Chairman, let me let me ask a question here. How many of you live in Marion County? Three out of probably fifty held up their hands. The others were trying to change Marion County law. Don't even live it. How many of you have a child or a grandchild to go to school in Marion County? Two. And so it didn't make much sense to me that for whatever reason this group of people had very little interest in mm-hmm. Marion County schools wanted to change Marion County schools. That was, I think, a little working little. Mm-hmm. What else did we do that took a lot of work? I should have went over that more. Yeah. <laughs> well, would you at least, while you're thinking through that too, maybe clarify with the payday lenders, you were trying to limit the fees, right? Can you clarify your position on what that was? Trying to limit the interest rates mm-hmm. that they charged and the number of loans they could renew and that they couldn't use a public paid worker to help collect their loans. Okay. Uh, I thought the usury laws, which mm-hmm. was basically from the Depression for mm-hmm. banks and what mm-hmm. credit cards and stuff, sure. was a good rate. And uh, the, the way they were at, they could renew that loan time after time. And somebody come in to borrow 20 bucks could end up owing a thousand five hundred bucks with the interest and the new loans and the fees to mm-hmm. do the new loans. Mm-hmm. They could do it forever. And had some people that should have or at least talked to me, they said they knew better, but they just got involved. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it was appealing to people that couldn't even afford to pay back the original amount they borrowed. Mm-hmm. Another solution that was available, and I understand that some of them do it, was in the old days, if you go to a bank and go, to, you know the president because he's your neighbor, and mm-hmm. say, I need a hundred bucks, what can you do? He'd pull out a cigar box and say, you bring it back by next Thursday. And, but that stopped happening. And uh, even we changed the law to where it was maybe 500% interested down to that and three renewals or something. Yeah. Uh, the credit unions have picked it up and they can do it much, much cheaper if, to a member. Mm-hmm. They can make the payday loan mm-hmm. with a much lower rate of interest and they pay it back. Mm-hmm. The payday loan people say it's the risk they're taking of getting it back. Well, to me, I wouldn't want to bet on a horse I knew was going to end up last. You won't have to bet on one of the ones that's going to finish toward the front. But it's an easy way to make money if you ever get, you know, mm-hmm. money. Yeah. What was your proudest moment as a legislator? <laughs> I guess everybody would say sign he die. <laughs> Making it through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Well, in a way, one of this we had eight or nine people that came in to office the same day and retired the same day. Wow. That was there 16 years. Mm -hmm. And that group pretty well stuck together. A few of them left early for one reason or another, but mm -hmm. most of them stuck through and some of them done very well. Uh, Truzanne was mayor of Bloomington. Uh, Cook was mayor of Plymouth. Mike Dvorak was a prosecutor from mm -hmm. St. Joe County. Uh, who else? Oh, down in Madison. But everybody but me <laughs> did something else. I just retired for a couple of years. And then I spent eight years on the Sanitary Commission. So just kind of being amongst that group and sticking it out, you felt like was... It, it, it was it was more than a, a, a friendship. I mean, uh, uh -huh. that, that was uh, one of the pleasing things. Um, always wanted to see the SASE funds increased, state student assistance okay. funds, so that, and I you know, wanted them to level that everyone, regardless of their fiscal means, could, mm -hmm. could get as much higher education as they could absorb. Mm -hmm. Why was education such an important you know, issue I, for you. I don't know. It just developed. Uh, my father was uh, adopted by his grandmother, and she was raising two people, and and he made it through the eighth grade and had to work to help. And uh, it was important to him. And always just, uh, he always told me. Education you get, or education someone else gets, can never be taken away. And uh, education is never cheap, uh, even if it's an experience education. So I just, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. thought it was important and was was able to mm -hmm. get involved and do some things. And I was, what else did I do? I know I did. A lot of times, oh, one of them was just as a co-author, and uh, Hurley Goodall mm -hmm. just had his birthday party and had a statue erected of him uh -huh. up in Muncie. Mm -hmm. uh, Hurley and I had become friends. <laughs> it's kind of a strange way to become friends. I ran as a, as a Kennedy delegate, and... Uh, convention and Hurley had two and the guy that was my campaign chairman here in Richmond had well at that point in time just no it was Carter and Carter named an official capacity person which was in this state Bill Schreiber so even if you 
won the election and were a supporter, it didn't mean you were going to go because he had to approve you. Mm -hmm. Well, for whatever reason, while I was maybe fifth on a list of three to be going, that I was one of the ones selected to go, approved by Schreiber. And there were two, three others. And Hurley was one of the ones left out. And Hurley took his pickup truck and drove out there and got to talk to Carter and tell him what was going on. Uh, so we became at least acquaintances and uh -huh. friends later on. And Hurley introduced a bill uh, regarding unadoptables. Uh, the, uh, there's a group of people on each side that, you know, pro-life or choice and so forth. And I think all of them would agree that uh, adoption might be a better way to go. The only problem is there are some that are not adoptable for one reason or another. Number one, they're not the Gerber baby. Uh, number two, they may have some mental or physical illness that they could not support because couldn't because of insurance. And uh, Hurley and I, Hurley wrote it, and I went on with him to. Uh, if somebody wanted to adopt one of these children and uh, the health was the reason that we make sure they get insurance and can afford mm -hmm. to adopt them. Wow. So there, at that time, there were like 5,000 unadoptables in the state. Wow. And you knew there were a lot of people that wanted to but couldn't for one mm -hmm. reason or another or wouldn't. For mm -hmm. So that was, I think, an important bill. Mm -hmm. It was as a co-sponsor. Did hmm. one in Power and Light. <coughs> Richmond is part of the municipal electrics. Mm -hmm. And uh, They, they're now they're into everything, including they got the solar things down here. Uh, but they needed more energy. IMPA did. In Kentucky, they had a plant that wasn't being used. It had to be, under their terms, used and useful, meaning they had to produce about 50% of their capacity and sell it, or they couldn't charge for the parts of the building. So they were shutting down and an Indiana firm just across the river could not import that power or run that station. So we as a legislature allowed for them to be able to purchase that and use the power in Indiana. Be owner, part owner, and use the power in Indiana. I think that was a pretty helpful situation. Yeah. Uh, while I didn't sponsor it, I think I voted for it, the city attorneys in some towns don't have attorneys. Mm -hmm. And there were some in southern Indiana that was so small that they couldn't find an attorney near. So they had to go across the river to get a city attorney uh -huh. for their town council or whoever. Mm -hmm. And that had to be made legal too, which is mm -hmm. a common sense thing. Sure. 
Okay, what else do we need to talk about? <laughs> well, how would you describe committee work? Just got a few more here. Uh, not, I'm, uh, okay, now I get because it's going to go committee work. Is basically where the work of a bill is at. That's where you find out who's supporting it, mm -hmm. what it's about. Is it you always got somebody from legislative services mm -hmm. and an attorney assigned, so you can you know is this portion of this bill constitutional? Sure. I can give you all that information, and you do the work before you, including some amendments. And the easiest place to get an amendment. It's in the committee before it goes to the floor, and you, you take a vote in committee, whether up or down, that mm -hmm. you pass it out to the floor with recommendation to pass, or you beat it up in committee, mm -hmm. or just hold it. And that's where the work is, and people that are familiar with those committees uh, know more about that specific area than say I would, like mm -hmm. judiciary. We had people mm -hmm. who were lawyers and judges and right. police officers on judiciary, and, and I may not understand the difference in may and shall, <laughs> but they do and they mm -hmm. get it ready. And also you can check with them to say, hey, I don't understand this. Yeah. But the big work is, is uh, done by committees. Uh, I had found there's you know, it's nice to say you're on ways and means, and everybody that's ever elected this General Assembly should be sentenced to one term on ways and means. You know, you find out more about state government there and how it operates because they all come in and try to justify what they're asking for. Mm -hmm. So you learn a lot. Uh, but the other committees are also important, and, and I, um, I, well, I was uh, like an acting chairman for a while on a public policy. I, I've been on commerce and education. Most of my time was in that mm -hmm. and enjoyed that. Uh, and there's there's a lot of, lot of work done to that. The, the, the one negative, and it doesn't have to happen to all of them, the one negative to committee meetings is if I have two committees at one time, I can go to the chairman of the committee and give a proxy that I I vote with the chairman on mm -hmm. this bill and this bill. You got to mm -hmm. sign it and date it. Not quite as good as it should be if I could attend both meetings. Sure. But I guess there's just things that happen that uh, it shouldn't shouldn't happen, but it does. There was a. One committee meeting that we had, and I forget what happened, something bad happened. They had a bill on the change of time, mm. and the committee rooms were in process, and they had we had to meet in the hallway about over toward the SOB and the state office building. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that time bill was on the agenda. I, th I know what it was. It was uh, uh, when they had the all-night attack on uh, 
Iraq or something. Mm -hmm. Sandstorm or whatever they call that one. The uh, Desert Storm. Desert Storm. Yeah. And uh, so everybody was up watching that whole fight. Yeah. And there was three people there, a lobbyist and two legislators. They're not a quorum, definitely. <laughs> so there was a situation that controlled a committee meeting. I don't think it would have passed at that time. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it took quite a long time to, yeah. to get back to the uh, daylight savings. Sure. Time. Sure. Uh, I'd wrote that down because there was something I want to say I'll remember now in a minute. See what um, would it have to do with commerce or no? It was no. probably unrelated to anything. Just just a highlight. I had to commit anything down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. I did like commerce and I liked education. I guess education was the one I would go to mm -hmm. more regularly. Well, you also chaired the financial institutions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Four years. Huh? Yeah. Well, okay. well, if you remember what that is, we can certainly come back to it at any point. But tell me about the biggest hurdle you overcame while in office. Well, that, that leaves a, a couple, whether it's personal or issue Either or state. Either or whatever. And... and uh, I uh, I guess there's a couple times with physical problems that it was difficult to overcome, but mm -hmm. got back with it. In fact, one one doctor told me once, "Well, you'll never be able to do that again." It's like he said, "I'll never be able to play golf again either." But mm -hmm. we did, and uh, there were some issues that happened in the legislature that was. I think maybe difficult. Um, one of the things, something we all noticed today, at a certain point in time during my tenure, my service to the legislature, uh, things became and started to get more bitter. People that, when I'm first over there, we had three or four people play golf and a new guy, Republican, comes in and we invite him to play. He plays mm -hmm. with us. You know, you know we're going to disagree on issues, but outside of that are friends. Sure. And sometimes it even gets so bitter that it got so bitter that that political rift means more than, than the friendship, mm -hmm. and uh, that was difficult. I, uh, people often ask me if I, if I miss it, and I said, I miss the people, but I don't miss the process. Uh, Like some have said, you don't want to eat sausage after you've watched it made. <laughs> uh -huh. And do you feel like that's because it changed during your time there, or? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it changed and started changing in probably 94, 95, somewhere along in there. Mm -hmm. 
one individual in particular had a problem with with uh, tires. People would take old used tires, and they had mountains of tires, and these things would catch on fire and make horrible smell and smoke for years and years. So he introduced a bill that would have charged a tax on each tire, quarter, maybe, and that money was to be used for research to find a recycling method for those tires, which is a good idea. I carried that bill with him, and I got that bill, we got that bill through and passed. And the one thing Governor By did never ever want was a tax, and uh, he was pretty angry about that until such time as it was repealed. Although there were things that they found, you know, when I hear they make brake drum liners, and some which is they probably don't use them all, but it helped control some of the sure. environmental issues. Uh, so we uh, <laughs> we made the governor pretty unhappy over that. And uh, I told David, I said, they'll use that against me in my next campaign that I did a tax. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, well, I'll come down and campaign for you. And about halfway through, I sent him a copy of what they were sending out. He said, I'll come down. I said, yeah, don't, don't mess your life up. I can handle this. And we did. But uh, you just knew that that was going to be an issue, even though you did it for one of their members, and mm -hmm. something that I thought not only was for that area, but for the entire state. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know where half of the tires that are used in this community go to. Mm -hmm. uh, I do know those that go to the waste area have to be cut up. Um, I think, didn't they try to burn them in Indianapolis, at the, yeah. where they had the generation when they used all the trash? To, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, what, in your opinion, is the most important work of the General Assembly? To pass a budget. Mm -hmm. That they can get by with without probably anything else as long as they have a budget passed. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other nice things to do, you know, mm -hmm. how some of that money is used. I was on an interim committee that was talking about whether you used phonics or whole language. Now, Purdue is a good school for teachers, is, is a whole language person, people. But there are those around that depend on phonics. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, one of my wife's discussions, she said, I learned with phonics, didn't you? I said, you know what, it's been so long, I don't remember. <laughs> but I think there's place for both, and I think there'll be other methods that come out in the future mm -hmm. that will be as good or better, and those should be considered too. Mm -hmm. And whatever those issues are, there should be training available to teachers that mm -hmm. teach it, whether, you know, like mm -hmm. CEUs. And, uh, and I think we put that in the, in the law that, that we should use the best 
both methods, and if there are those that come that are better or as good, they should be worked into. Mm -hmm. And there should be training available at the universities for it. Mm -hmm. When did you leave the General Assembly? My, my last year was uh, 2002, mm -hmm. November of 2002. We'd moved out here in 2001, so I would have had to this was outside the district. They, re oh. they redistrict. My first district was, would have included this, did include this. Uh, then it expanded and picked up because when they redistrict, they got to have so many people based on the sentence, census. Mm -hmm. And uh, included uh, Abington and Milton. In Cambridge, one one or two precincts in Cambridge. Then the year I was ready, the first time I ran it was a 57 percent Republican district. Mm -hmm. That was the two vote landslide. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd won the rest of them fairly comfortably. Uh, one that was a little tired, but they was redistricting again. Mm -hmm on the 2000 census, and they made the district I was in, didn't look nice, but it was more Democrat than Republican, and they said, figured that would keep me in going, but I'd, I think there's a time you got to learn it. it's time to go. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, well, I was replaced by a Democrat, and uh, Jerry Bales put it best to me that there's three ways that you can leave the General Assembly, and two of them are bad. <laughs> and I wanted to take the right way and retire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've been with people that died almost sitting in the chair. And yeah. that's, that's that or getting beat is not good ways to go. Sure, sure. So you wanted to have control of how you went out. Yeah, and you got to have a real burning desire mm -hmm. to want to, number one, go to meetings, be places, be seen, be mm -hmm. appreciated, door-to-door. Uh, -door. If you listen, somebody calls you with a problem, and it may seem like the not a problem at all. You got to listen to it as a major problem because mm -hmm. it is to that person. Right. And uh, I got to the point that sometimes I'd get a little lax on pursuing some issues. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you get lucky. <laughs> I'd left and was over there, but I knew the mayor, and, and this lady called me two or three times. She mowed her grass in her apartments and had it mowed, but the people on the corner never did mow their grass, and they got to get something done about that. So I was going to call somebody here in the city, and I forgot. I came home the next weekend. Mrs. Grimes is on the phone again, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I forgot. She says, well, I want to thank you for being so prompt. They come and got that right away. <laughs> You lucked out there. <laughs> yeah, I was ready to <laughs> flip out. Yeah, that's fine. Um, 
tell me about the issues surrounding the subsidized health insurance for former legislators. Uh, now you got to understand that part of the time that I was there, I went under Social Security and Medicare, and I had a supplement through Dana Corporation. And is Dana, I meant to ask you this earlier, is that what per, uh, Perfect Circle becomes? Yeah. Okay. And uh, so at the point in time that that happened, it would have cost me $1,000 for or $1,400 for um, a backup. To the best of my knowledge, I may have had that for a while. It was costing, I don't know, like before I got to be 65. It's costing maybe just for me because Nancy already had this. And uh, I think it was six or eight hundred bucks a year, which probably is reasonable. I mean, they did have an insurance for dental care, which I still maintain. Uh, it was like 97 cents or $2 a month, something mm -hmm. ridiculous. I had it at Dana, so there had been a backup. But Dana, when they folded up that time, they, they withdrew the insurance for dental. So that, that's the only one I have now. And for whatever reason, I don't know what it was, instead of paying my 97 cents a month, the state pays for it. I didn't even know it was going to happen, but I, you know, I sign up each year to yeah. maintain the mm -hmm. dental health and send it back into the clerk's office. Uh, now, some of the, they put a stop to that, and some of the legislators, I don't think they left just because of that, but they were planning to leave anyway, so they continue on the subsidized insurance. Mm -hmm. And whether it costs them anything at all, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was, I was under, under the belief that it was like, for those that were using that for whole insurance, it was like a police, state police insurance mm -hmm. program, and it was running fourteen to sixteen hundred bucks a year, mm -hmm. which could be, you know, right now the insurance I have, I, it, it's an advantage plan through Dana. And uh, out of Blue Cross, out of Michigan, and uh, <clears throat> it's like Medicare. I pay a minimum, mm -hmm. and uh, to begin with, it, it's higher than Medicare because it's three hundred bucks a month, and I have <laughs> I have not paid any of that yet. I have nothing out of pocket. If it hit. $1,500 out of pocket in an in-network facility, then they pick up everything, but up to that, I pick up 20%. Sure. Uh, but, it, you know, like doctors, this is all I've had mm -hmm. for a couple of years. Now, they picked up a good penny when I was in the hospital with that broken hip. Sure. But uh, the last couple of years, I don't think they've, uh -huh. I've had to pay very much at all. It's fortunate uh -huh. stay pretty healthy. Why and why was that so controversial? Uh, it was a freebie. 
it ended up being a freebie. And uh, people thought that was something that, that the average citizen didn't get. And they, I'm, I'm sure that that one little area of time, people got it for nothing. Like my dental insurance, because who cares that I'm not paying 97 cents a month? Uh, <laughs> but there was also some issues with some of the leadership doing that. And plus, they make, when the speaker and some other people make extra money, and a lot depends on where else they have retirement programs and do they participate in that retirement mm -hmm. program. Uh, do they live inside 50 miles? If they live inside 50 miles, they're taxed in a different way than, say, here. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there was a lot of issue because of some people getting something for nothing and they thought that was a lot of I was never felt like I was paid too much for eleven thousand five hundred or six hundred dollars a year and I spend a lot of time besides the legislature uh, doing work here and going to meetings here and so forth so I don't think I was ever overpaid uh, did get some things to do that I wouldn't have been able to not wouldn't have been able to wouldn't have got the opportunity to do sure uh, when we go to like state legislator conferences or something and get to play a local golf course that wouldn't even be there other than that. Yeah. Uh, but we we traveled a lot and did that anyway. As I, I got to feeling you're paid per diem while you're over there mm -hmm. and uh, you're always being invited to dinner or lunch mm -hmm. and I did not think that I should live terribly different than I live here. Not, not going to eat hot dogs every day, but I'm not going to go out for Morton's or mm -hmm. steaks every night either. Sure. Okay. How would you summarize your time as a state legislator? You know, I've often thought about that. I, I think for the most part enjoyable. I think for the most part I worked pretty hard. I think I got some things done that helped the people of the area I represent, represented, and hopefully the whole state, some issues, they helped the whole state. Uh, I guess, you know, if, if you put it on a tombstone, he worked hard and did a good job. Mm -hmm. I have a list on two sheets like this of things that I've done while I'm it. It's a little, used it for people to introduce it, you know, family mm -hmm. background and educational background and committees that I'd served mm -hmm. on at, uh, and or done. And the little things like the Bowen Welsh Distinguished Legislator, mm -hmm. Kentucky Colonel. Now my brother-in-law gave me the picture up on the wall for Christmas once. It's a, a 
original thing, playbill and mm -hmm. check signed by Johnny Cash. Oh, wow. And have the paperwork with it. He'd bought it at some auction fundraiser down mm -hmm. in Memphis. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's one of the things that, it wasn't tied to the legislature, yeah. <laughs> tied to a brother-in-law. Still pretty cool. Um, do you have a favorite story or anecdote during your time in the General Assembly? Well, I, yeah, I, I do, and, and I'm still worried about what I was going to say about the committee. And I can't recall the exact years, but uh, representative from Connorsville, Ralph Underwood, he had uh, been in a, there's a guy around Webster named Merle Brown. Merle and Ralph would one year one and win the other year. And Ralph was over there when I was over there. Ralph stayed more than a couple of years. But there are times when nothing happens on the floor. I mean, the speaker's in a conference with speaker or somebody over something or they're having a little caucus or something. Everybody would start going, Ralph, Ralph. And Ralph would go to the mic, and Ralph knew a million and a half jokes <laughs> that he could tell uh -huh. in public yeah. and in, in uh, mixed company. So Ralph would get up and tell jokes for maybe a half hour while we were waiting on the resumption. <laughs> uh -huh. Or toward the end of the session when they're in conference committees and it's over in the Senate and they're waiting on something to happen so we can get it to vote. And Ralph would get up and everybody would call for Ralph. And Ralph would tell jokes and enjoyed that. And, uh -huh. and it's a unique situation. Sure. Uh, when Bosma was still a, one of us, <laughs> and uh, we had a late night something going on. So a lot of times, somebody, I don't know who, probably some lobbyist would send big boxes of apples back in the back of the set them in the window and people go buy grapes or something like that. So one night, Bosma and had Greg and a couple others got the idea we take up a little collection, send one of the legislative assistants to go get as many sliders as they could get. <laughs> this is about 10 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the minority leader in the speaker's office smelled for weeks. <laughs> they had him in the back of the room. Of course, I was telling you, I always yeah. sat in the back of the room. And they, they even... I don't know, they must have had 500,000 of those things. <laughs> and it just stunk up the place. Yeah, I bet it did. And we had one lady who was very proper. And she'd taken her husband's place, and I can't think of her name right now, but she went around the back of the room, and she had back here, and she goes, What is that? <laughs> Oh, there's, there were some humor. Yeah. There was yeah. some humor. Light moments, too. That's funny. What lessons, if any, did you learn? I, uh, and not maybe learn, but learned to maintain patience. At the end of a session is a lot like negotiations 
or contract in the union. It goes to the last minute, and it doesn't mean because you got 59 seconds left that it's going to be bad. And sometimes the good and the bad mix, but don't get excited. And uh, <laughs> one of those times, they, they, days long gone, they'd set the clock back or stop the clock. And uh, somebody wanted to do that, and uh, said, "No, we got to stick right with the clock." And Phillips was speaker. He said, "Yeah, but we're going by Boonville time, which is an hour behind." As long as you started an issue, you could finish it. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were some of those days. There's days that, especially in ways and means, when you spend five o'clock in the morning till two o'clock in the morning, you'll be in this capital. Wow. Well, we're down here to my last three questions, I think. Usually, and I gotta still remember it. Right, right. How would you say, or how has the state of Indiana changed over the course of your lifetime? Well, the state government and the state itself, um, I, I, and the process that goes into it. I've seen that change, mm -hmm. and I can only assume, since I haven't been back over there, that it at least maintains the changes that we worked up to. Uh, I think it, the changes that have happened have happened for the good. Uh, a couple things I still disagree with, but if we look at the way we finance things, and pay for things. Uh, living close to Ohio, I can see where they had all paved roads when we didn't. However, when those roads need repaired, they can't repair them. And we're still paving and repaving. Mm -hmm. uh, the one negative I seen was selling the interstate up there in the north. Uh, didn't do a lot for us. Uh, but that's just my opinion, but I think overall the the system has grown to help the citizens lead productive lives and their children to expect good education and probably good jobs if they choose to stay in the area. Mm -hmm. So I think it's all been, I think that may tell me that you're coming. Oh. <laughs> um, do you think the General Assembly has changed even since your time? I know you haven't been there, but from what you read or? Well, when, when, you, when you have a majority like they do, mm -hmm. it's bound to be a change. Mm -hmm. uh, Somebody asked me if it surprised me, and I, no, it didn't. It's, uh, the, the only surprise I got was I didn't have 77 or 80 members because of the way, even though they're 
designed to be a geometrical picture. Uh, probably the best case of gerrymandering I've ever seen uh, in before this last election. Uh, I used to talk with uh, Dick Mangus, who had done a lot of that forever and ever. I'd say, Dick, can't we get computers that could just draw these perfect districts and have them balanced and look nice and be productive by being kind of bipartisan? He said, we could, but you couldn't get anybody to vote for them. And, and that goes back to when we split up the three-member districts in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. There were three members in a district, and they were either in a district that was going to be Democrat or Republican. And one of the Republican districts that went to single members, two of them that lived within a block and a half of each other were very good friends, and they didn't want to be running against each other. So they drew the line down the middle of the street, down the middle of an alley, and back to the old district so that the guy wouldn't have to run against his friend. And one of them had been eliminated. A area in South Bend, the guy wanted his district to include his school. So they drew the district so it included his school. Uh, over in East Chicago, a lady was moving into a condo like double with her daughter and family and she wanted to be in the same district so they accommodated that and made that line around that but I think overall Magus is right he said would you vote for a district when you knew that you were going to be knocked out by your best buddy yeah. probably not in your opinion is 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 that an issue the public should be concerned about or, or aware of at least? I think there are probably enough people aware of it that expect a perfect answer. Uh -huh. And there's not going to be a perfect answer. Uh -huh. uh, someone's going to be disappointed. Uh, I don't remember the groups, but there are different groups that work for the public drawing of maps. Mm -hmm. uh, While I may not like it, it's worked pretty well since, what, 1851? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here we are a couple hundred years later. Mm -hmm. And it's, I may not have liked it every time, but it has worked and it has not driven us into being a dictatorship, I don't think. Mm what, if any, enduring qualities do Hoosiers still have or hold dear? 500 mile race. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think uh, a, a good sense of family life, mm -hmm. uh, expecting the things that's on the mirror over the mm -hmm. house where they're willing to use all their treasure for various things including education and the horn of plenty and mm -hmm. uh, I just I think they they 
They depend, and I still believe about 50% will depend on religion, a morality, um, and lead a life where they're not told to do everything, but have, and can expect government to deliver on issues of importance. Mm -hmm. This lady was at a dinner, and the talk around the table, and the way she put it was, she still expected her politicians and her preacher to be moral people. She was the wife of a senator. I think they passed. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you think a lot of Indi people here in Indiana still want to buy into that idea? Yeah. Want to believe that? Yeah. 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 They they want to believe that they're part of the government. That that mm -hmm. that vote counts. And uh, there are times here when it's difficult to get people to run because they know they're going to lose. Mm -hmm. But uh, in fact, <clears throat> there are a, a, a lot of people that do not, that are qualified, that do not get involved. It takes time, it takes money, mm -hmm. it takes your time from your family. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess until there's some corruption, and then you find enough people that'll run and get elected. Yeah. And eventually, the, it, the legislature's kind of like that pendulum mm -hmm. swing back uh, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. uh, if they had been almost like it is now when I first went over there mm -hmm. and went from something in the 30s to 48. And uh, then 50, and then the majority. It was a unique situation, too, that we had a long, hard time trying to elect a speaker, and that's when they decided on the stereo speakers, one from each side. Mm -hmm. They'd alternate days. They'd yeah. have certain number of bills that they could call, even if mm -hmm. they were political. And uh, then... To change that, because we looked at everything, and uh, I had my favorite Thanksgiving that year. I was supposed to fly up to Minnesota with my wife and daughter, and uh, we didn't get back here till late, so I had my ideal Thanksgiving. They'd already left, left my plane ticket, <laughs> and watched football and ate pizza. <laughs> so, uh, they had to decide what they would do rather than stereo speakers mm -hmm. if that happened again. And it did happen again. Mm -hmm. And every, I think the Republicans were in control and they all knew 
I think McIntosh was going to be the next governor of the state of Indiana. So they passed a bill that the speaker would be of the same party as the governor. And that didn't happen. Frank O'Bannon, I think. And so that's how John Gregg got to be speaker <laughs> by himself and without being stereos. Well, that really is all my, I mean, I asked a lot of questions here today. Is there anything I haven't covered, though, or anything that you want to talk about? There is, but I can't remember. <laughs> Some about committee working. Yeah. Well, I am happy to chat on the phone or come back down if you think more about that, or I can, you know, just give me a call or shoot me an email and we can... Oh, yeah. Come back to that issue. Yeah, my certainly. little bitty pad there. I'll yeah. Do about anything with that. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. We uh, well, I've enjoyed it and probably said more than I should. <laughs> no, not at, at all. At least we haven't had to do the who are they. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And some of them I wouldn't say. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. they're still alive. Right. All right. You want to be careful with that, certainly. But there, there was, I cannot say that it wasn't a fun time that I spent there. Mm -hmm. And made, made a lot of good friends. Mm -hmm. That's good. We, uh, some of them are still around working for you know, the universities or mm -hmm. governors or such. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was fun, you know, and I, I guess if you're going to leave and say it was fun, uh, like taking a vacation and you spend two or three of the best weeks you ever spent, mm -hmm. but if you go back, it's never the same. And I'm glad that I had fun and got away before it sure. did not become mm -hmm. Yeah, the same. Why am I lighting up? Well, News flashes. Is there anything that you feel like you want restricted on that form or anything you would want me to cut or anything like that? I don't remember what I've said. <laughs> don't think I, you said I, anything I, controversial, but Yeah, I don't I don't think I did. I don't think I maligned anyone specifically. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Did not mean to anyway. Uh, well, if you're fine with that, then if you want to er, just print your name here at the top and then check no restrictions there and then just have you sign here on the back and I can fill out the rest. <laughs> 